and welcome to Run the Table. I'm your host, Bryce Tinson. Obert, how you feeling on this wonderful picks day? Very good. Very good. Feeling fantastic. So we have plenty of picks coming your way. And with college football bowl season coming up, um, we're doing things a little bit differently this year. Last year, and I'll get into this a little bit uh, once we actually get to the college football part of this show. Last year, we didn't have podcasts over uh, our, our winter break for school. Budget um, cuts. Yeah, budget Sorry. cuts. We just didn't have we didn't have the inventory to do so. Right. Um, this year, we do. Thank you to our boosters. Yeah. We're rolling in it now. Oh my god! <laughs> thank you, thank you to our boosters for for funding that. Uh, and, and Brett Favre helped this out. Yeah, he yeah. made a big contribution. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. And we're going to be able to do it. And so, out of his own paycheck, out of his own. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> no, it, he actually stole it from the government. Oh, he has an issue with that. I I can't really explain so, it. So, out of the kindness of our hearts, we gave it right back to the wealth uh, welfare program <laughs> that he stole it from. Yeah. Because we're like that. Because we are like that. And then Brett the government Favre. gave us a finder's fee of like 10 times the amount of that of that money. So so. Eh. <laughs> um, so last year we picked all of the college football. We picked all of the bowl games, but we didn't actually talk about any of them. Um, this year, we're not going to pick all of them. Instead, we're going to, I think you, you picked out 27. Yeah, I think that was the number. Uh, I, I said twenty six games in total. That's combi- combining the national championships. So okay, twenty five. I think so. So twenty twenty six games. We're going to talk about uh, fifteen of them on today's episode. The these are the non New Year's six or playoff games that we think you know deserve to that have our national our attention and probably the national spotlight too with some of the storylines going on. Um, in other words, power five games. <laughs> most of them are power five. Yes, uh, he. He picked the games that we were going to talk about, right. and, and he's I got a little a, bit of a power five right. bias. Bit of a soft spot. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd call it a soft spot. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I think you would say soft spot if it was a group of five. So right. we'll get into that. But first, we're going to start with the game this week that College Game Day decides that they don't want to go to because they're better than everybody else. That's I would have gone. That's what it kind of feels like. We would have gone. We got an invite. Is it? Is this the best rivalry in sports? Um, I think... You know what? I will say this. It, obviously, no. I mean, in a sense, like, it's not nearly as competitive or as good of a game as whatever. Um, but the fact that this game always involves two terrible teams, and from <laughs> the rivalry alone, it feels almost larger than life and attracts so many viewers. There's really something to be said about that. And I think the overall feeling and the pageantry behind this rivalry is the best in sports. I really believe that. And so, in a sense, yes. But in another sense, like not uh, even close. Yeah, no, it's yeah, like <laughs> We're talking about Army Navy. If you didn't pick up on that, um, I, I watch this game every year. Yes, you I watch understand. this game every year. It's the only game on Saturday. I, I don't know what else you're doing with your day if you're not watching Army-Navy. It's one of my favorite games of the year. It's two teams that run the exact same offense. They run similar defensive styles. It is it is the ultimate. If you love football, this is your game. Mm. Like that, That's what this is. Old school. Navy is two and a half point favorites. Two and a half point favorites. They're th- three and seven. Army's four and eight. Four, four uh, and seven. Army's no, five and six. They're five. Yep. And Navy well, I'm gonna is because uh, that four doesn't, that doesn't sound right. This is absolutely right. Army is five and six. Navy's four and seven. I checked a little bit ago. I'm going to believe you. Yep, you're right. Um, five and six for four and seven. Do you? I, 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 do you want me to get into it? Yeah. I mean, I thought you were just oh, going to pick sorry. it up there. Um. Yeah, so actually, Army no, Navy, his mic cut out, so that's why there was the dead air there. Uh, Army Navy, what, uh, 
3.30 CBS, I think, is typically, or like 4 or something like that, middle of the day. Um, and, uh, you know, like you said, just old-fashioned, ugly sort of game, always typically low scoring. You know, it's kind of just, just, you know, like almost like rugby. It feels yep. like, you know, football being played like it's supposed to be played, a lot of field position, a lot of just all that stuff. It's just You're okay if you win 13-10. Right. Right, good American football, and it's intense. I mean, Navy won all those games in a row. It felt like nine of them were, you know, nine of the 13 or whatever it was were very close. So that's the nature of this game. It's awesome. It's an awesome game, and uh, and I'm going to take Army. I just think, first off, I'm a huge Army guy. Go Army, beat Navy. But, um, <laughs> you know, so I'm always going to pick Army. But I will say this. You know, you typically think about Army-Navy, and it's like Army always has the better record, but Navy's played the better schedule. I think Army's played the better schedule. Let me let me run you through this real quick. Army, you look at their losses, it's a lot of top 25 teams, you know, close to top 25 teams. They lost to Troy in a 10 to 9 game, who is in the top 25 and who we'll talk about in a little bit. Um they lost to Coastal Carolina, who was a sort of, you know, uh playing for the what was it? Conference USA or whatever uh championship. Lost to UTSA. That's a good team who's in the top 25. Georgia State's kind of a bad loss. It is what it is. Wake Forest, at the time of that game, they were around a top yep. 25 team. So you get into these games, it's like, wait a minute, this Army team's actually played a pretty tough strength of schedule. They played UConn. That's a, not a bad win. You know, like I said, they played Troy, Wake Forest, and UTSA, and Coastal, and all of a sudden, it's like, wait a minute, they've actually played a pretty tough schedule. They're playing good football. They blew out UMass, blew out Connecticut, who's a bowl-eligible team, and were very close to upsetting Troy, you know, a team that is um, in the top 25 and who we'll talk about later, and, you know, kept it close against Air Force, who was a 9-3 and team. And before that, they, you know, smoked their, their last two opponents. So ever since that Wake Forest game, it has been blowing teams out or close losses against teams that are really good. Truth, truth is, this Navy team isn't very good. Uh, four and seven... Um, and obviously, you know, had a couple of really good performances, played well against uh, UCF, and uh, I think they kept it close uh, with another really good team. So they were playing some good football at the latter part of the season too. But I'm going to go with Army to win this game. Uh, you know, having some good juju in this rivalry. I think early it's tough on Army with the month-long bye that they virtually had coming into this game, or at least three-week bye. Um so I think offensively, early, and defensively, they maybe struggle a little bit, get out to a bit of a deficit, come back later part of the game, and win a close, I'll say 14-13 sort of game. I'm going with the Navy Midshipmen out of the American Athletic Conference. They've been playing some really damn good football as of late. You go back to their last three games, a 10-point loss to Cincinnati. Cincinnati's a good team. They were playing for the American Championship. I think they were ranked at that point, too. I could be wrong. They have a three-point loss to Notre Dame. Notre Dame was playing good football at the end of the season, and they beat UCF uh, 17-14. Now, the last time they played a game, which was against UCF, was the beginning of November. So, oh, my God. So it's even worse it, for Navy? It's been a while. Oh, my it's, gosh. It's been a while, yeah. It's going to be an ugly So ugly Army, last played, Army last played on the 26th, so it was two weeks oh, ago. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. So two, I got the I got those two flips. I, I'm pretty sure Navy's last game was November 10th. So the opposite. So Army just comes out, they take a 20-point lead and just never look back. Uh, yeah, so Navy, it's been a while since, since Navy's play. But 
I do also want to say that they've played their fair share of good teams too. East Carolina, True. they beat. Air Force was only a three-point loss, only a six-point loss to SMU. Um, they decimated Tulsa. Houston was their worst game this season. Actually, probably Delaware the first the first week. Eh, Delaware and Memphis, the beginning of the season, yep. not great. Um, they lose to Delaware, get get destroyed by Memphis. But ever since that Memphis game, they've been playing really good football. They're four and five, I believe, and they're putting up points. They've only had one double digit loss, or they've had two double digits loss. One of them ten points. The other one was pretty bad, and it was eighteen. But like this is a team that's playing well. They're they're playing better defense. They're scoring points in cert- against certain teams. It's going to be a low-scoring game. It is. And I feel like it's going to finish as a 17-14 win like they had against UCF. You mentioned they've dominated the rivalry. Um, or no, Army's dominated. The- Most recently, very recently, Army's oh, always done well. Yeah, and then that, they had like that, that stretch right there. Yep. Yeah. From when to when? Uh, from It started in 2002. It ended in 2015. Right. And ever since then, Army's won four of six. So last year was Navy. Last year was Navy seventeen thirteen. I think we see a similar score. Um, I mean, you look at the recent scores of this game seventeen thirteen. So, so this is going to be in favor of the winner seventeen thirteen fifteen nothing thirty one seven seventeen ten fourteen thirteen twenty one seventeen twenty one seventeen seventeen ten thirty four seven. Uh, 17, 13, 27, 21. Like these are cl- like most of them are close, low scoring games. Right. It's because of the type of football that they play and the weather. Oftentimes weather usually isn't great. They play usually play in Lincoln financial in Philadelphia. That's where they're playing the game this year. Um, there's probably gonna be wind. There's probably, I mean, wind doesn't affect them a ton because they don't throw the football. Uh, but I actually don't know what the forecast is looking like this week in Philly. Yeah. That could that cause if it's raining, I mean, that's feels like it always is. Seriously, though, it's like every single time these two teams play, it feels like it's raining. Um, Saturday will be sunny. Eh, okay. I kind of don't like that. <laughs> uh, Sunday's going to be raining. Does it, does it fit the vibe? Uh, I'm still going to go with Navy to cover the spread. I think it's a 17-14 final. Mm. Okay, we're going to go right into the under or to the NFL. We'll get into the college bowl games later. Uh, last week I was three and four. Over it was four and three. Mike was also four and three. I won't get into our season long records because I feel like we like we've just been hovering around 500 so right. it, it, nothing's really changed. Uh, in terms of underdogs, Mike is 8 and 4 after a loss. I'm 6 6 and 1 after another uh, uh picking up another win over his 4 and 9 suffering another loss. Um first game, Jets at Bills. Bills are 10 point favorites. Uh, I don't know, man. It feels like one of those weird AFC East games where it's like, yeah, the Jets are good, but the Bills are 10-point favorites. Why? Right. What do you think? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the Jets. Um, I think that I don't even think the Jets are very good. I, I did at the beginning of the season. I thought that they were the Titans. Uh, the quarterback situation is even worse than I than I thought. And uh, I'm not a believer in Mike White, quite frankly. But hey, I, sorry. Uh, but I am going to go with the Jets to cover this 10-point spread. Listen, folks, the Jets haven't lost by two scores in like two months. Dang. I mean, 24-9 was their opening loss to the Ravens. They had a 27-12 loss to the uh, to the Bengals. But since What was then, the score the last time these, these two teams played? 20-17 uh, uh, Jets, remember? That's right, yeah. So uh, that could be interesting, too. I think the Jets might. Maybe they're just a good matchup for the Bills. Who knows? Or maybe, you know, the Bills played as bad as they possibly could have. But uh, it is, you know... We do have a rematch, so that's kind of cool. But yeah, since week three, no two or no two loss, um, two score loss for the Jets 
since that moment. Close loss to the Vikings. Close loss to the Patriots in a low-scoring game on a punt return. Yep. So this <laughs> is what this team game. does. They keep it close against teams they probably shouldn't. Um, and I think we see something similar. It's at the Bills. That does worry me a touch. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I feel like the Jets were kind of born or made to, you know, cover this sort of big spread against a, yeah. a superpower team. They're going to play with the chip on their shoulder. Mini buy for the Bills, that helps them a little bit. But at the end of the day, I think the Jets, like I said, I, I love taking the Jets as underdogs. Yeah, I, I, I'm i going to go with the Bills here. What you just said there does worry me a little bit. And the fact that the Bills have only have two double-digit wins in the last since October 16th. So, um, and it was the Packers by 10 and it was the Patriots last week by 14. Ever since then, I mean, it was three, three point loss to the Jets. It was a three point loss to the Vikings. It was a seven point win to the Browns or eight point win to the Browns. It was a three point win against the Lions. And it's like, okay, well, what really are you? Football lately. What? So the Bills haven't been playing no, they haven't. nearly as well as they were at the beginning. Uh, no, they haven't. At the end of the day. I'm still going to go with the better team in this situation. Um, I, I I feel like this is the Mike White week where he throws like four picks. Yeah. Like I, I just, could be. he played too well last week for me to ride him again. This week. Mm. If he had a bad week last week, I'd be like, okay, Mike White is going to be due for a mediocre game. He's not right. going to turn the ball, ball over a ton, but because he, he, I mean, he did throw two picks, but like he still had 350 yards and, and, and at the end of the game was making some good throws to try and keep him in it. I don't know. It feels like we're going to have uh, 150 yards with three picks and a fumble. That's the, that's the kind of day I'm feeling like. And Bills at the Bills at home. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with them. The likelihood is this doesn't this doesn't work. But <laughs> we got to try some stuff out. Being you know like 13 games under 500. Next game, Eagles are seven point favorites traveling to the Meadowlands to take on the New York Giants. Obert, what do you think about this? The, I mean, this is like the fifth game in a row that the Eagles have been favored by seven. Yeah, this, again, seems like the perfect opportunity to, to pick the Jets, Jets or Giants, but I feel like, uh, I, I don't know, I think I've picked against the Eagles for the past five weeks yeah. and lately. It it's, really, I think it's like three hasn't, straight weeks. hasn't really worked for me, so uh, I'm going to mix it up this time and go with the Eagles. Um, no, I, I don't know. I think there is some value there with the Giants plus seven at home. They tend to keep games close. The differential on how these two teams are playing and how much better the Eagles are playing right now than the Giants. You said it in the takeaways episode, that little stretch where it was like, oh, the Eagles might be in some trouble. Oh, the Eagles might come back down to the back down to earth a little bit. It really didn't last long at all. It was a bad performance against the commanders, and that was really it. It was pretty much And then the Colts game. Right. Which was, you know, kind of close. Oh, actually that game was really close. I forget yeah. about that. But the Packers game, they looked really good and uh the uh Last week, they looked really good as well. So, I mean, one of their best games of the season. So, the differential and how much better the Eagles looked than the Giants so far, it's just too much for me to just take the number here, even though I think there's some good value. We haven't seen these two teams play yet, which is surprising to me because they're divisional opponents. But at the end of the day... Uh, they, they love to do this with the NFC East. I know. They really do. They just they just pack all of their games in like the last eight weeks. And put them all on Sunday Night Football. Yep. It feels like. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Eagles and I think they win this game by two or three scores, and, and it's a serious, serious wake-up call for the Giants. Yeah, I know. I You said it best. One team's playing really good football the past two weeks. The other team is playing about as bad as they could have the past four weeks. The Giants look lost offensively, defensively. They're not playing very well. Meanwhile, the Eagles just absolutely decimated the Titans. And it's a Titans team that had maybe not is maybe not great, but they're in, the similar boat, in, the, in a similar boat as the 
as the Giants. It's a team that has a respectable record, but you look at the roster, you look at you know who they've beaten, how they've done it, it's like, well, are they actually good? No, they're not. And the Eagles are going to expose the Giants as they did the Titans. They're going to win this game probably by 17 points. So give me the Eagles to cover pretty easily. Um, we'll see if I'm on the right side of the Eagles this, this time around because <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, Bengals, five and a half point. No, is it? Yep. It's Bengals at Browns? Uh, no, Browns at Bengals. Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't know why I did that. The Browns at the Bengals. The Bengals, five and a half point favorites. What do you think about your brownies, huh? Um, you know, honestly, I, I kind of campaigned against picking the Browns this entire uh, year for good reason. We've been irrelevant, but now with the Sean Watson at quarterback, we're at least a storyline. So, you know, I thought that this would be, you know, kind of a good game to pick. And I still think that way. Um, I think this will get probably pretty good ratings. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, first off, the Bengals are one of the hottest teams in football right now. Um, and I, I mean, I was kind of on this. I hate to say this, but it wasn't just last week, but in the past, I was like, folks, Around 500, give it a little bit. They'll be fine, and they have been. And, you know, now they're way over 500 and um, looking really good. Yeah. Good one against the uh, good one against the Chiefs. Um, you know, and so this will be a tough game for the Browns. Obviously, the Browns really have the Bengals number, not just since Kevin Stefanski was hired as a coach, and I think we're 5-0 and mm-hmm. um, against the Bengals uh, since then. But even before that, I think uh, it's like, Maybe eight and one, or yeah. maybe seven and one, something like that. Uh, so, uh, just a long stretch of very good play against the Bengals. It had a lot to do with uh, Baker Mayfield really playing well. Um, and, you know, a lot of people, I, I've heard reporters ask Burrow about, oh, well, what is it about the Browns? And what is it about the Browns defense? And he, you know, funnily said, oh, Miles Garrett. They have Miles Garrett. No other team does. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it was funny. But at the end of the day, Burrow plays really well against us. Yeah. The difference it's, being the defense doesn't. Right. The defense gets scored you know, 40 points uh, on them, and it's like Burrow doesn't even have a chance. So um, we'll see. I think I think part of it, I said this at the beginning of the year, our offense struggles against really well-coached defenses and teams that can kind of prepare for our different sort of style of play and our sort of scheme, uh, but that's not really the Bengals. I think they're good defensively, and I think they're talented defensively. I don't think they're necessarily very well-coached. And if they would be, I think they'd stop our stop our rushing attack and our offense a little bit. But they really haven't been able to for a long time. So, and I think maybe our wide receivers are a bit bigger with DPJ and Amari Cooper, and their corners aren't really big or physical. Like you know, the Ravens are yeah. physical at least; they're not huge, but they're physical. Uh, so that m- might be kind of a problem for them. But uh, I'm going to take the Browns. Uh, I, I don't know if we win, honestly. I, I, I to cover at least though. Um, Deshaun Watson, I think that's obviously a huge storyline and, you know, didn't play very well last week, but this week he really should, playing in Cincinnati, it doesn't feel like, oh, there will be a ton of pressure on him. I think this week he sort of sort of gets back into the flow of things, gets back into what he was before he got suspended and he plays a very good game. We'll see. Um, I think it's a matter of time, but... Um, but it's going to happen at some point. We'll see if it's this week, if it's next week, the week after that. But the Browns need to win this game. That's, yep. that's the bottom line. And the Bengals are coming off of a very emotional win against the Chiefs. I think this is a good spot and a lot of good value for the Browns plus 5.5. Yeah, I really like this number. And I like the Browns to win this game. Um, when you talk about the Bengals' defense, at least this year, they haven't been healthy 
for the majority of the season. When they have, they've played really well. Mm. They've been able to stop the run. They've been able to do things in the past game. I mean, look, they held the Chiefs to 24 points. They're able to figure it out. They're healthier this week. Um, the, I think last week was when it was really the first week that they've had everybody uh, be able to to play productive snaps. And they're going to have that again this week. The difference is... is we're talking about you know the, a top three rushing attack in the NFL with the Browns, and they got the one-two punch of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You couple that with Deshaun Watson having the first game jitters out of him, yeah, it, it, being a little bit more comfortable be, being back in an NFL stadium and, and being the quarterback. I think this is a recipe for the Browns to win this game. It just it just kind of feels like you know this is a team that's always had their number, and it was the same way with the Vikings for a while when they played the Lions. It was like every single time it wasn't they would they would find a way to beat us, even if you know even if they weren't the better team, they would find a way to beat us, and and we finally were able to win last year. But then game one again this year, they found a way to beat us, even though the Lions were the better team that that day. The Bengals are the better team. Let's not let's not make two things about that. The Browns just have their number. I don't know what it is. Five and a half is such a good number. I think the Browns are going to win outright, and I think they're going to keep their playoff hopes alive. So give me the Brownies to cover, win by four points. I think there's also an aspect of this as tame as our playbook was against the Texans, and it was very tame. And it wasn't just, oh, well, we didn't pass the ball down the field. Like, we also didn't use Deshaun Watson running the football at all. And there looked like opportunities. There was was a couple times where it was like, Deshaun, just keep the if ball. If he keeps it, it's like, oh my gosh. Or like the idea there, it's like, wow, that could be very, very nasty. So I think that sort of feeling of, wow, this playbook has the potential to be, you know, very good with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. And we'll see the most of that that yeah. we've seen in a long time. It, it, this is a must could be game dangerous. for the Browns. This is a must yep. They need to open the playbook and, will. and, and really the figure it out. Would be my guess. Buccaneers at 49ers. 49ers, three and a half point favorites, starting Brock Purdy at quarterback, facing a Buccaneers team that, to be quite frank, was lucky to win that game on Monday night. What do you think? Uh, Yeah, you said it. I mean, holy cow. It felt like there were three or four opportunities for the Saints to just end that game, and they just chose not to. Uh, Just very poor decision-making. It just felt like they felt like the game was over because the Buccaneers could not figure out a way to uh, you know move the ball whatsoever. It was like only a two-possession game, but it felt like a four-possession game yeah. almost with five minutes left. And it so felt like even if the Bucs get the ball, no matter where they get it, it doesn't matter because they cannot move the ball. But that's what Brady does in yep. those big-time moments. He figures it out. He did. They won a game by one point. But, uh, you know, I think this is one of the worst 500 teams in the NFL. And, uh, you know, we saw with Brock Purdy last week, I think he definitely struggles a bit here. But we've seen a lot of 49ers quarterbacks struggle in the past, and they've been fine. And a big part of that is because that defense is so good, that running game is so good. And if there was ever a team that, oh, okay, you know, your Mr. Irrelevant needs to come in and win a couple of games for you, it would be the 49ers because they're so, yep. you know, independent of the of the production of their quarterback. So I really think the 49ers will be fine. Um, you know, I've kind of been a 49ers hater because Vegas loves them so incredibly much. But in this situation, I think their talent is enough. And, you know, maybe it's a touch overrated, but their talent is enough to overcome, you know, whatever shortcomings Brock Purdy may, uh, you know, provide them. So I think the the 49ers win this game by, by seven, I'll say. And it I think it has a lot to do with how bad I really think the Bucks are watching that Monday night football oh, game. Oh, yeah. Their offense has, like, zero identity. They can't run the football. They rely on Brady to throw the ball 40, 45 times a game. 
And really their best receiver so far this season has been Chris Godwin. He's right. been the only one that's really been able to separate. So uh, I'm going I'm going with the 49ers too, if you couldn't tell. Um, I do think that the, if you were going to be in an offense as a quarterback that, you know, is Mr. Irrelevant, it's the 49ers. Right. They have Christian McCaffrey. They have George Kittle. They have Debo Samuel. They have Brandon Ayuk. They have these weapons that you don't necessarily have to give them the ball down the field. When you talk about, when you talk about some of these these other teams it would with the playmakers they have they they really excel when you're throwing them the ball 20 yards down the field Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel are great run after the catch guys and so you can give them a five yard slant and they can take it 70 yards for a touchdown talk about Christian McCaffrey he's one of the best he's probably the best receiving back in the NFL he's not great between the tackles at this point in his career but he is fully capable in the passing game George Kittle the same way those guys are they they're all run after the catch and so all you have to do is protect Brock Purdy and give him clean pockets to to make easy throws in and Kyle Shanahan does that you may you may think that he's you know not the greatest play caller um, or offensive mind but what he does do is help out quarterbacks who are challenged Fair. with their abilities look at Jimmy Garoppolo I think what we'll see is we'll see the national media have to eat its words because Brock Purdy comes in and wins five games here for the 49ers down or four games for the Niners down the stretch. And all of a sudden they're, it's like, are the 49ers the best team in the NFC? Mm-hmm. Like people are going to have that question. It's going to be like QB wins are not a stat. I mean, you're, we're talking about, there was no drop off between Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. Maybe they're the same talent level. Maybe they are, but I, yeah, I think maybe Brock Purdy's just like that. Maybe, maybe he is, but I think that, there was a reason Todd Bowles didn't work in New York, and you're seeing it with Tampa. They just they don't look very good offensively. Defensively, they're fine. When they play talented teams, they don't show up very well. When they play a team like the Saints, they they can hold them to 16 points. I will say, though, what the, what the Buccaneers defense has done, especially re, in recent games, is hold teams. So they'll give up early scores, you know, a touchdown, 10 points, 13 points, but then they hold teams to field goals or punts later in this in that second half, later in the game, which allows Tom Brady to come back. He's not going to be able to do it against the 49ers. The Saints defense is fine, but we're talking about, you know, the first or second best defense in the league, maybe third in the 49ers. So give me the 49ers to cover. I think they went up by five or six. Mm. Last game. Dolphins, three-and-a-half-point favorites traveling across the country to take on the Los Angeles Chargers, who are coming off the uh, loss to the Vegas Raiders. I will say, I think the Dolphins stayed on the West Coast because of the 49ers game. Uh, I think they stayed out there. I could be wrong, but to me, it doesn't make sense to fly cross-country back. You're just going to go back in a couple of days. So I think they stayed there. Um, What do you you think about this? Um, They're they're professionals, right? Right, right. These guys, hey, these aren't. 20, 19, 18, or 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. I think some of them actually kids. Yeah. I think some of them yeah. are so, all right. Well, but they're not kids anymore, right? Amateurism. Wait, no. so is Stetson Bennett, like, he's a kid now. Yeah, but, he's a kid. He's a 25 but if he, kid. if he goes to the... Because NFL next year, he's not a kid anymore. Right. Amateurism. So that's, but what if he's getting paid? Right now? Right now for NIL yeah. stuff. Uh, well, no, that's name, image, and likeness. They're using his rights. But it's not a matter of, oh, you know, it's not 9 to 5, right? He's not clocking in, yeah, clocking is. out. Yeah, he is. So, he's got a punch card. You didn't know that? No. He's still a kid. <laughs> Dolphins at Chargers. Listen, I'm taking the Dolphins minus 3.5. Um, this could be a very close game, and that's the only thing I think could bite me. But I'm not going to uh, to take the Chargers to win this game. Refuse to do it. Uh, you know, they're 6-6 six and six now. This no, is, they're 6-7. and seven. Six and seven. No, they are six and six. six, and six. six. Right. They were six and five um, last week. 
this is what the Chargers do. Uh, you know, said it last year, said it the year before that. I'm, you know, just always been a Chargers hater. You have, um, yeah. you know, and uh, this year I think it's just a matter of it is a matter of injuries because even I thought that they were going to make the playoffs at ten and seven. <laughs> so even I can't pretend like I knew that this was coming. I didn't. Um, but yeah, I think it's a matter of injuries, and you know that's part of it. And another thing, it's like they do struggle to win these close games. And although they did, you know, win a nice game against the uh, Cardinals, but you know, it's just some of these games, you know. And and I will say this: if the Chargers were to, it wouldn't really surprise me if the Chargers were to win because this is so the game that they would do it after a terrible loss to the Raiders. They come out and beat one of the NFL's premier offenses and teams, the Dolphins. But folks, a lot of people are saying, you know, oh, well, the Dolphins kind of showed their true colors and Tua showed his true colors against the 49ers and blah, 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 blah. He had a bad game. And it was against... A top three defense. Right. And, and and he's playing one of the best defenses in the NFL. And that game really got away from them. It was a six-point game, uh, I think, headed into the fourth quarter, if I'm not mistaken. So it is what it is. Um, it, it was, you know, uh, a bad performance, but nothing they can't get past. Um, every other, a lot of other teams, you know, have bad games or, you know, don't play very well. Oh, you know, oh, they're allowed. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, it's no big deal. The 49ers do it. Oh, it's n- no problem. Uh, this is Kyle Shanahan. But when the Dolphins do it or one of these teams that the media didn't like in the preseason, it's, no, this is what they really are. This is their true colors. I think it's ridiculous, quite honestly. I, th- I think I like that. I like that hypo- hypocrisy. It it's is. Fun. It's totally hypocrisy. It's, and, it's, and it's fun. And you know what it is? Okay. Confirmation bias. That's totally what it's it is. It's fun. We hated Tua in the in the preseason. Listen, when when I made a prediction about Tua, I was right about it. Okay, and so that game proves that I was right. Okay, <laughs> yeah, it was. And all the other games don't matter. The Dolphins are going to be terrible. We don't buy into the Dolphins. We buy into the Forty ers And so then, when the Forty ers win, the Dolphins lose. It's like, oh, the Forty ers are Super Bowl, and the Dolphins are terrible. It's like, folks, have a little bit of patience here. Don't overreact. Don't. Hey. NFL's reactionary league, okay? Crazy man! Oh my gosh, it's just, it's just hopping on the Dolphins whenever they show a sign of weakness. That's fine. Um, confirmation bias is is a fun thing, but, um, and you know the funny thing is too, it's like it's only that way if it was if, if it's such a hot button topic like the Dolphins, and they were because of Tua. Tua was so pol- polarizing in the off season. It was such a matter of. One player, will, will he work, will he not? And that was totally going to decide the fate of the team that when that sort of thing doesn't go as we expect, it was so polarizing. Yeah. It's like people are so pressed and really don't want to admit they're wrong. Meanwhile, with the Eagles, it's like it wasn't a hot bot, a hot topic because nobody cared because nobody exactly. was really predicting that the Eagles were going to be like that this season. I so, think I did. I did too. I mean, I had them. I, I think, think I had them at 13 and 4. Wow. I had them as my five seed, but, you know, I had the Cowboys winning however many games. Yeah. So I thought they would be like 11 and 6, 12 and 5 team. Neither here nor there. I'm taking the Dolphins minus three and a half. I think they're hated by the national media. I don't know why. I think last week was a blip on the radar, a bad performance. Tua had a bad day. Everybody's due for a bad day at the office. And guess what? It was a still a six-point game headed into the fourth quarter. Let's calm down. Hey, at least your prediction wasn't the Chargers would be 15 and 2. Oh, my Theo God. Ash. Theo Ash. Oh. Oof. Fifteen into um, one seat. So, when you pick Chargers games, what you have to do is throw all logic out of the window. Mm. You cannot look at it objectively. You can't look at it at oh, they're very injured. That doesn't make sense to pick them in this situation because they're the Chargers. And as a 
semi-Chargers fan, I've seen that firsthand. It's like I can I can pick and choose which weeks they win and which weeks they lose because that's exactly who they are. They're just so up and down and ebbs and flows. Their highs are awesome. They're so much fun to watch, but their lows are last week against the Raiders. Like I I I knew it was going to happen. That is such a Chargers game to lose. This is a Chargers game to win. Like mm. it, you said it, you you literally took the words out of my mouth. I, I'm literally picking the Chargers in this game because this would be such a Chargers spot to win. They're coming off of a terrible loss to Josh McDaniels and the Raiders in a game which I think Josh Jacobs ran for another 200 yards. And now they're playing the best offense, one, a top three offense in the NFL. Yep. They're going to find a way to win this game. And if they don't win it, they're going to lose it by two. Yep. It's like you can you can basically script a Chargers season as a roller coaster. Okay, so their their first three weeks are going to be really good, and then they're going to be bad for two weeks, and it's going to mm. be like eventually water's going to find its level, and they'll finish the season nine and eight. Right, like that's just that's just what the Chargers are as an organization. I made a takeaway about it. They just will never be very good. This is this is more confirmation bias uh, on the sense that the Chargers are going to be seven and six after this week, and then they're going to find a way to lose two of the next three games. <laughs> I, I it, like it is what it is. Um, you want you want to get in your lock. Uh yeah, this is kind of a kind of a goofy one. Quite yeah. Frankly. Wait, I thought you were gonna take uh, the Los Leones. Um, you, yeah, maybe you, I should. I didn't want to go against you. You told like me that. a billion times I, on the takeaways episode that you. Go. Well, you said they were gonna win. I do think they're going to win. Yeah, but um, you know, maybe they win by one. I I just didn't want to pick the. I hate it when you know. I don't want to talk about the same game. I want us to talk about different games. So I will talk about the uh, Steelers Ravens game here and. This is kind of a goofy one because I hate picking the Steelers and I hate them and I think they're a terrible team, but I also really hate the hate the Ravens. So I, I don't really have a lot of qualms going with uh, the Steelers in this situation. So uh, two uh, two and a half point favorites, like you said, uh, at home. Um, I like the Steelers here. This one seems a bit counterintuitive. I think FPI predictor actually has the Ravens on the road winning outright. So that's actually interesting. But um, I don't care. I think the Steelers are playing good football right now as as much as I had to say it this is always the part of the year where they play good football for no reason after being absolutely doggy doo-doo all can, year can, can they just lose this game I cannot <sighs> take Steelers fans telling me that oh Mike Tomlin he, he'll never be under 500 please what if he, what if he never is I really <laughs> thought this would be the year that he wouldn't and I think if, they're gonna win this game if he does it this year if he if he, he goes nine and eight with this team I, I there's nothing else I can do I think he's going to win this game, and I think they're going no, to win by don't. about four or five. And then he this. has at the Panthers, home against the Raiders, at the Ravens, and home against the Browns. You're telling me he couldn't go four and one in that stretch? I think he could. I really do. I think he wins this week, oh, wins next week, wins stop. the week after that to go eight stop. and seven. Stop it, and then splits the last two to go nine and eight. Please so don't do this. It, it's hard. It's tough. Please but the Steelers are playing such good football. The Ravens are playing their worst with a backup quarterback on the yeah, road. Yeah, but he's kind of like that against a team on a two game winning streak. Utah legend Tyler Hunt. Uh, like I just that. think the Steelers are going to get this thing done. I picked against them. I think they've been my or I, I picked the other team as my underdog in back to back weeks. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I've just been wrong. I think the Steelers, this is what they do. It concerns me. But, um, Please don't. You know, I, I kind of would hate it, but I, this is what's going to happen. I really believe it. And uh, the Ravens are playing so badly. I'm taking the Steelers. Also, all the other locks were terrible. Yeah, they, they were, really were. They were really bad this week. Um, yeah, they were so bad that I went with Chiefs minus nine and a half at it, in in Denver. Like, I just feel like the Chiefs are going to be. They're going to have a sour taste in their mouth after the after the Bengals game, and they're just going to take out all of their frustration on a terrible, terrible Broncos team. I am so confident about this pick. 
the, the lock curse will have no effect because the Broncos are that bad. Yeah. That is that is how confident I feel with this pick. Like I I I, I have the lock curse. I don't know if, I don't know when the last time I won a lock was. Uh, it's been a really long time. But I think the Chiefs are going to be the one that breaks it. I think mm. they, I think they win this game at like 24, 25, 27 points. Like I, the Broncos are just as long as uh, realistically all of the Chiefs, all the Chiefs have to do is to get to twenty seven points, right? And they win. Yep, and and they'll cover. Like that is that is all they have to do, and I think they'll be able to do it. Yes, the Broncos defense is really good, um, but with how bad the Broncos offense is, I feel like there's going to be a lot of great uh, position uh, field position for the uh for the Chiefs. I don't know what happened there to my brain, but field position starting like where they start is going to be I mean they're probably going to have like three possessions to start inside the 50-yard line. Right. So and they'll cash most of them in. Let's hope so, right? Yeah. I I'm expecting 35 points from the Chiefs. Mm. Uh I'm going to take the Cardinals for my underdog home against the Patriots. Um Listen, I don't know. It's not typically the best idea to take the worst coach in football against the best, but I'm going to do it. I need more meaning in these Cardinals games now that they are pretty much out of uh, playoff contention. Yeah. So, um, Well, they could win out and it's it get a little yeah, dicey there. It's a little bit freaky. I don't know. Um, so I, I'm going to take the Cardinals at home Monday Night Football. I don't know. I would could, love it if they, if they played well that game. And you know, it's kind of weird with the Patriots. I feel like they kind of... Matt Patricia's terrible. Right. It's just like, I feel like the games you think that they would easily win, they don't. And that, like, I can yep. never figure out, mm-hmm. like, with the Patriots, it's like, I can never figure out what their matchup is that they're so good against. Because they shred the Browns every year. Shred them. Shred, shredded the Lions, too. And, and like, right, like those sort of teams. But then could, couldn't right. couldn't figure out how to put up more than a touchdown offensively or just, more than a field goal offensively on the Jets. They're just so weird. They are absolutely so freaking weird. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Uh, I'm going with the Vikings plus two and a half at the Lions. I, I don't get this line. It makes zero sense to me. Um, the Vikings are going to find a way to win this game. They always do against the Lions. I, uh, kind of a it, jaw dropper, quite it, honestly. It's stunning. The line opened uh, in favor. The Vikings were one-point favorites. And then all of the people who do this professionally picked the Lions. What they call, they're called sharps. And so those people put... Like once the lines were released, we're immediately putting money on the line. So much so that forty, I think it was like forty-two percent of the money was on the lines, but it was only like twenty-five percent of the bet was or twenty-two percent was on the lines. Right. And so when that when you have that difference between the money placed and the number of bets placed, you know that that the professionals are betting the lines because they're putting a lot of money on them, and so. Vegas moved the line to, I think it went then to Detroit uh, minus one. And now it's up to two and a half. I don't know, man. I, I think I've, I'm two in a row right now in underdogs. I feel really good about the Lions choking this game. This is a Lions spot. They lose. It's like they, they make everybody feel good. They've won four of the last five, uh, maybe five. Yeah, four of the last five games. And people are, are starting to look at Detroit as a real team. but come out in the fall flat in the face in this one. That's just how the Lions do it. It's you can you can basically it's it's a calendar. You circle the date, be like, okay, at this point they're gonna give me hope, and then four weeks, five weeks later, circle that date. That's when they're gonna let me down again. Yeah, um, I I mean I, I will say this: 
I don't think a five and seven team could be playing any better or have any more more momentum than the Lions do, and I don't think a ten and two team could ha- be playing worse and have kind of less momentum than the Vikings currently do. It has been close win after close win after close win for the Vikings and huge win. There is a stat that if you reverse the outcome of every single one score game, the Vikings would be one and eleven. Yep, they, they are they, ten and two right, right. now. Right. They, they they only win close games, Nine and when and, in close games. and and when they lose, uh, they lose big. They yep. lose big time, and it's to it's to the two best. I said the two best teams in the NFC right now: the Eagles and the Cowboys. Yep. That, those were the two losses this season. Every other game they've won, it's a close game. It's yep. like, <laughs> Unbelievable. I don't know what you want me to say. Okay, let's get into the college football games. Okay, so kind of broke this down a little bit. Um, we'll have this will be our last episode in the apartment for about a month. And plan next week is to, we'll do it over, you know, Microsoft Teams or Zoom or whatever uh, platform we decide to do it on. But that's how we'll record the podcast. And so next week, we're going to talk about um, the New Year's Six games uh, that aren't playoff games. So the four, uh, the Rose Bowl, Cotton Bowl, the Uh, Orange Bowl, Bowl, and the Sugar Bowl. And the Citrus Bowl. Oh, that's right. It is the Citrus Bowl, the new New Year's Six. How about that? Say it again? The new New Year's Six. Oh, yeah. Because because the other ones are played on the playoff, or played in the playoff. Um, and then we'll come, I'm going on vacation, and so around Christmas there won't be one. So the next one will come out probably next Friday. I'm going on vacation, and then once, once I come back, uh, I come back the 30th, uh, or the 29th, we'll film the 30th, and then you can expect the college, we'll either film the 29th or the 30th, I should say. And then the college football playoff pick show will be posted on the 31st, the day of the games. So you can expect that. Full breakdowns of the college football playoff games. And then we'll have our takeaways episode. It will once again be on uh, online after the Monday. So after the Rose Bowl and and the... Yeah, all of those bowl, bowl games. The, I, I don't the, know how many New are played. But Day, typical New yeah. Year's Day bowls. Like four so it'll be that Tuesday. We'll be on that, January that 2nd. We'll, we'll film that. We'll get that up as soon as possible um, so that you can Probably have that. on the January 3rd time. And I think because they're playing, they're, we won't be back for the national championship right, either. Correct. And so we'll do our pick show for that. It, it basically, the next, the next probably 15 episodes I would say next twelve to fifteen episodes, um, because we will do we'll, we'll, we will try to keep up with Civil War as much as possible um, throughout the playoffs, and then our season recap will be um, online. And then you know, come I think our first our first day back is MLK Day, um, or that's the first week we come back. So then we'll be back in here. Um, so today we have fifteen bowl games that we're going to cover pretty quickly. These aren't our actual picks. Um, these are just kind of our thoughts on the game because it's still so early for a lot of these games. I mean, we're talking about three weeks in advance for some of them. We're not going to pick them yet. Instead, we're going to release our, our picks basically chronologically, um, and, and you can follow along there. Right. Um, yeah, I, I we, don't we know thought about talking the else. games chronologically, but at that point, it's like, all right, well, we're filming another yeah, picks episode. Exactly before these games even happen. So what would the point of that really be? So I just thought, how about we do these games in order of, you know, relevance in or, tier, in, like in tiers, right? As far as biggest games that way, you know, we devote an entire episode to the playoff games. We devote an entire episode to the Rose bowl and the sugar bowl and the orange bowl, which are some really spicy matchups, which we'll get into next week. And an entire episode to kind of some of these and 
frankly, folks, a lot of these games are plagued by transfers and coaching yeah, changes. So it, it's it, like it's it's brutal. You can ask us to take these games extremely or as seriously as the as the New Year's Six, but it's not realistic. Um, and uh, I also will say, I think the uh, episode after the playoff and before the national championship that game could be very different depending on you know if michigan wins if ohio yep. state how that goes yep. could be go i mean woo, that could be a, that could be a really fun episode so follow along for that for sure um so actually i'm, I'm glad that you said that i want to i want to talk about this real quick before we start getting into these games college football polls don't mean anything anymore right the, the only teams they really mean anything for is the group of five right. like power five teams you see it like we've had like 20 quarterbacks enter the transfer portal and won't be playing in their game so we have a we literally have a game on here in Wisconsin and Oklahoma State. Neither one of the starting quarterbacks that played the entire season is playing. Mm. I, I really don't know what to make of that game. We'll get into it, but it's like college football. The college football bowl season has lost all of its meaning. It just doesn't matter anymore in the way that it used to uh, for for a lot of these teams. And frankly, I think we should just get rid of it. I, seriously, mm. I do. Um, as much as I love college football, it just there's no meaning in it anymore. And, and I would. I would rather have Sad. an ex- I would rather have an expanded playoff. I really right. would, uh, rather than this meaningless these meaningless bowl games where you're seeing just a lot of guys who I guess it's a it's a glimpse into next year's uh, team, but coaches aren't coaching in it. Like Luke Fickle is not coaching Wisconsin, nor is he coaching Cincinnati. Right. What What are we supposed to do with that? I, I, it It's just tough. it's it's very frustrating. It's tough to see. And people are like, oh, you know, Pate says expansion has ruined the illusion of the importance of the Bulls. The players, the coaches, yeah. and the transfer portal does. Yeah, it, it, I've watched these bull games every year, ever since playoff expanded. Mm-hmm, I've watched exactly. this every single yep. year. It's not me. I'm watching. I'm still watching. The, the problem is, is the, the players, the, the early signing, the transfer portal. It has set up. Right. It has set up this the this system. immediate. You need once the season's over, boom! You got to make changes right away because if you right. don't, you're going to be behind the eight ball. And so what happens is, after after the last game of the regular season, teams hire coaches. Teams are looking for for possible potential transfers because the transfer portal opens up the Monday after championship weekend. It opens up right away, and boom, you got to start recruiting. And with early signing day, those coaches got to get in there as quickly as possible to maintain relationships with current recruits for that 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 team, and also talk to the recruits from the team they just recruited. And talk to their players who they could possibly get in the transfer portal. So with all of that, you get players leaving or thinking about leaving or leaving. You get coaches just straight up leaving. And all of this has basically said, hey, these bowl games don't matter because we're already focused on the next season of college football. Mm. And we're sitting here... You know, acting like these games do have meaning for what purpose, other than you know some name, some naming rights and right. and broadcasting deals. Uh, it, to me, it just feels like we would we would be much better suited if we had even a, a more expanded playoff than twelve. Right. I don't know. It just it is what it is. But let's get into the games because you can't have ten percent of the teams playing in postseason and you know one hundred twenty teams yeah. sitting there with their hands in their pants. Like, come on, man. Yeah. And you've you've brought up the point that maybe uh, maybe the group of five splits off and does their own postseason that way they can have some more meaningful games other than. Troy UTSA playing in the Gear Bowl. Like right. these, we're talking about two of the premier group of five teams this season. They both won their conference and they're playing in the freaking Gear Bowl. Right. It's like, it, it, and what do they get? I don't know. Whatever. I think it's a cool game. I do. It's, I, a, it's a really cool game. I'm, I'm, this is one of the games I'm most excited for because you're talking about two programs that, uh, in Jeff Summerall, that is going to stay at Troy. Uh, you're talking about, 
Jeff Trailer for UTSA that is going to stay at UTSA. Frank Harris right. is coming back for a six year. This game has actual meaning for a lot of those for a lot of those players because they're not going to the transfer portal. They're not leaving early for the NFL draft. Their coaches mm. are staying. So this game, in my opinion, is gonna be one of those and it's the very first game that we'll get. Uh, right. or the second game I think we get yep. this bowl season. And so I'm really excited about that. I I don't know what your thoughts on this game are. Very excited. My my question is for people. Why not play this game in the Sun Bowl and play it on New Year's Day? That's State what for I'm saying. Kids, right? I mean, instead of playing it, you know, in, in where are they playing it? North Carolina for, yeah. you know, in, in two weeks, in December 17th? I think that's stupid. Putting them on probably CBS Sports, no, ESPN, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, they are playing in Orlando. That's kind of cool. But um, so, regardless of the scene, regardless. They play of, like four games in Orlando. It's unbelievable. Right. I, John Summerall, my bad. I called him Jeff, and I, instead of. For Jeff Trailer, I call it. I was like, I was like, wait, I don't think that's his name. Let me double check. <laughs> uh, so this game, uh, really cool uh, that these two teams get to square off. Top twenty-five matchup. Part of the reason why we picked it, uh, and uh, I will go with probably Troy. Um, haven't made my my pick just yet, but two teams that are playing really good football right now. Yeah, they, that, that's they are. that's really cool to see. Uh, and like you said. A lot of continuity with these two teams in the offseason, which is kind of a rarity within college football. I think part of why so many, well, some of the group of five coaches have decided to stay is the openings this year. You look at it, not a ton. I mean, Auburn came up and Wisconsin came up, but like those vacancies were kind of filled by two pretty big names within uh, the head coaching circle. Yeah. You know, Fickle and, um, uh, uh, got Hugh Freeze, uh, Going back to this offseason, they were two of the biggest names in the coaching circles. Mm. Last year, they probably stay. This year, they don't. They leave. So, um, you know, for guys like, uh, you know, a trailer, um, you know, there just weren't the openings that it was like, oh, that could be a really cool opportunity. Yeah. Also, I mean, he signed a 10-year contract with UTSA, and now with the expanded playoff, I think you're going to see more of these group of five teams, especially a team like UTSA, who has seen that recent success and is more set up for making that. Obviously, there's only one spot, and you're fighting with 60 other, 60 plus other teams. But I think a, a team like UTSA that plays in Conference USA that isn't that good, it's not a great conference. Right. I think he sees that as an opportunity that, hey, UTSA can grow. And, mm-hmm. and, and for and if I stay, I can be the one that does it. And so I think you're going to see a lot more of that. And I think John Summerall is going to be the same way. He seems to be really bought into that program. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think probably Troy wins. Uh, it'll be interesting. Don't know, but... Um, I think I'm going to go with UTSA uh, just because of Frank Harris. I mean, the dude, that dude's a freaking dog. Mm. Uh, next game, UTSA... Or not UTSA. Cincinnati, Louisville, Fenway Bowl. Um... Uh, really, the big the big story here is the Scott Satterfield going from Louisville to, to Cincinnati, Cincinnati, and then Louisville's filled by the one and only Jeff, Jeff Brom. Brom. I haven't touched on this yet, and honestly, kind of wish I had something better to say. But you know, when it first you know was announced that it came out that Jeff Brom was leaving to Louisville, first off, I was not surprised at all. I'd seen <laughs> he count- was he was waiting for it. Right. He was waiting for the shoot to drop. <laughs> I had seen countless reports that he had been in you know press conferences and and, uh, and alumni events uh, going back to last year, talking to the Louisville people about uh, it. Just wasn't the right time when I got last offered the job, and you know you never know in the future, and just a lot of stuff that it's like wow, he didn't even come close to even attempting to say no uh, to say no to that or, or to deny those rumors it was like almost he was putting gasoline on the fire instead of attempting to put it out so um he was pretty open and transparent about the fact that this was a possibility yeah. and so when the when the opening 
came up, it kind of felt like, yeah, this is probably likely. And frankly, I think, you know, he's a great coach. I really do. And I think we'll do very good things at Louisville. I think we did kind of hit a ceiling at Purdue. I think there is a bit of that. Um, You look at recruiting. He's not a great recruiter. I don't even think he's a really good recruiter. I think he's slightly above average, but his system, it works. Mm -hmm. He gets his guys, uh, and he develops really well. We saw that at Purdue. I mean, you know, wide receivers you never heard of turn into, you know, generational players. And uh, so that he absolutely has down from the offensive end. Um, So he could be a very good coach for Louisville. But I do think there's kind of a ceiling there with Jeff Brom, and it's not just Purdue football because – all of the challenges that exist at Purdue exist at Louisville. It is a basketball school at both yep. schools. Um, you are, you know, kind of in loaded divisions. Well, I guess not the Big Ten West, but ACC Coastal, he is going to be in, yeah. in a loaded division. Um, in, in, you know, I guess the Big Ten, from that perspective, it is more of a football conference and you're a basketball school. Um, and so that's kind of the difficulty. You're not always going to get the funding that every other school is, and, yep. and you know, you're not going to get that sort of thing. And all of those, uh, especially the funding, facilities, stuff like that, I can make the argument that Purdue seemed more willing to do those sorts of things than Louisville did. So it is a coaching change for him, and, you know, he's happy to be, you know, coaching at his, uh, his um, you know, former school where he was a quarterback for a while. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't think they're any better than we were no, uh, at Purdue. Absolutely I, I would not. be surprised. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, you look at the Coastal, and I look at the Big Ten West, and I'm like, it's pretty similar, man. It really is. It'll probably be around 8-4, and 8-5. and five. And so you know, the key thing about coaching is, I've always said this about coaches, they cannot permanently increase your or make turn your program from a mid-tier program to an elite program. It can't happen. You look at... Whatever the guy is, nine times out of ten, unless it's a Joe Paterno or, you know, I guess you can make the case for Howard Schnellenberger from Miami back in the day who turned them in from, you know, kind of a laughing stock to one of the premier programs in college football. Nine times out of ten, especially in modern day college football, it's very it's rare be tough. that, you know, a coach takes a team, you know, from one like the mid-tier level permanently to the elite level because what happens he gets he gets picked off it's kind of what you know happened to us but what they can do is take him to the next level and I think that's what Jeff Brom did for us and I'm, I'm really excited or happy about that you know when Jeff Brom first got there we were not a mid-tier program we were a bottom tier program <laughs> yeah. we were a, tr- a trash program and uh when he left we're now a respectable program and a team to be reckoned with within the Big Ten West who I think, you know, we'll see what the coaching hire, but is probably going to be looking in that direction. And he got us to a position where it was basketball-oriented and basketball-first to now it's like you look at the stands and they're, you know, they're full yeah. at the time. And, yeah. and we're selling out games. and the athletic, Basketball is still king. Don't right. get that wrong. But. And, and the athletic department is still, you know, uh, loving the football games and they're willing to spend and all of this stuff. It's like this is a complete step up from where we were when we got here when he got here, and I think that has a lot to do with him. Some of the games he won, so forever in his debt for that. And I think the hire will probably be indicative of where we are. The only issue becomes there aren't a lot of guys left. I, yeah, mean, I was going to say, what are the names you're seeing right now? Uh, Jim Leonard, I have seen, okay. uh, obviously leaving Wisconsin. Um, he doesn't even want to be the DC anymore. He told them after the bowl game he would be done, and that will be that. Um, I don't know whatsoever about you know like if he even has interest in it but he doesn't have a place to be next year i was gonna say and it's it's you know it's he's still it's still relatively the same recruiting base right so he's he's familiar with West. the area 
So uh, it, could, it could be a thing. And, you know, Brian Brum, Jeff Brum's little brother, and that seems weird because it's like, wouldn't he just follow him to Louisville? But at the end of the day, one of those guys can call plays. Only one of those guys can yeah. call plays. Brian Brum has been doing this for a long time. At Where's some he point, at? he's at Purdue. Oh, he's he, our he, offensive coordinator. Oh, I didn't know that. And, uh, and forever he was kind of just within the shadow of Jeff Brom um, and just couldn't call plays. At some point, he has to take that next step up. Yeah. Um, he's going to have to call plays. He's going to have to be that guy. So it's either A, because he's the interim head coach. So A, you know, will he stay around here and just be the OC still and call plays and do what, you know, that for the first time? Or is he comfortable enough to, you know, take the head coaching job? And we'll see see about that. It would be interesting for me to see. And then uh, uh, Drew Brees. I have seen that name. No, you um, haven't. I actually have. Oh, my God. And, that's not, there's no way he takes a head coaching job and, right now. Um, I don't know what he's doing. He floated around broadcasting, but, you know, that seems to be – we don't know about that. And uh, so, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see what <laughs> to see what Drew Brees does, man. That would be insane. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think that would be very interesting. I think he would recruit really well. You know what so. that sounds like? That sounds like Michigan fans after 2020 saying, get Tom Brady. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, doesn't even. We didn't even talk about the fact that Luke Fickle is gone from Cincinnati. We'll probably get more into that in Wisconsin. Uh, next I don't know game. who's going to win this game. It, I don't know, who, really, it doesn't. It, Louisville's one. Vegas right. doesn't even know. Louisville's one and a half point favorites. Like, uh, what do you want from us? Uh, this is this is actually this segment is more so for us to talk about what has Potpourri. happened with these yeah. teams. <laughs> uh, next game, Florida at or, or Florida versus Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl. What a slap in the face for Oregon State. You, you, we, were, we were talking about this before we started filming. They're a nine and three team. They get to play six and six Florida in Las Vegas. Right when the Flor- Las Vegas Bowl. When Florida's best player Anthony Richardson isn't even playing like this is that's why it's an 11 point spread right what are we doing you know this bowl game is bad when you're playing two weeks before new year's um and, and that's the, that it, yeah. like you said it's a slap in the face for oregon state they're a 14th ranked team in the country and that's where auto bids goes get, goes wrong i think it's yep. not to me it's not even about the you know top end matchups although you know you've absolutely had a problem with that in the past because you can still make those games like yeah. top 20 matchup it's like I'll still turn it on absolutely yeah. but when you get to the bottom of the barrel nobody's going to watch this Oregon State game except for Oregon State fans they've had a great year they don't deserve that so in my mind what I would do those top mm, four or five matchups within the non New Year's six games I would completely take out auto bid so Citrus Bowl Alamo Bowl Purdue wouldn't get one yeah, yeah and that, that would be how it is but no yeah rely Quest Bowl I would take all the all those out and I would just make it highest ranked teams because this is this is ridiculous yeah I mean uh, Oregon State playing December 17th against Florida you gotta be kidding me uh, without their best player yeah it's like and uh, also Anthony Richardson shouldn't should not be going to the NFL draft he's and I've seen scouts say this they think he's a two-year project, like right. like an, a legitimate right. two-year project. The the thing that'll probably get him drafted in the first round is that all of the athletic traits are there. We we Size. see it. I mean, some of the throws he makes are beautiful. It's just they come once in a in a in a lifetime. Right. So it, it it is what it is. Meanwhile, Oregon State is your typical scrappy Oregon State team that you don't really know many of the guys on. They just get it done. Nine and three this year. Beat Oregon. There. This was. No matter what happens in this game, it was a very successful season for Oregon State, and those people in Corvallis should be really happy. Right. 
Next game, Washington State taking on Fresno State. Fresno State is actually a one-point favorite. Uh, I'm not sure if Cameron Ward's supposed to play or not, but this is the stupidest bowl of the season, the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. Um, I hate this is a thing. I wish it wouldn't exist. Um, <laughs> yeah, you somebody call, can just I think put you, their name. Right I think you called it. it the, what, what was it? Blackface Bowl? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, all due respect to Jimmy Kimmel, I guess it was a long time ago, but um, no, uh, I, I, I will say this. If Hayner plays and Cameron Ward plays, this is probably this is going to be a, fun match, a top five quarterback matchup. Yeah. We'll get all bowl season. As, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because every other quarterback decided they didn't want to be with Seriously. their team. I mean, holy <laughs> cow. These are two NFL guys. I really believe you want to know what the issue is, is that the transfer portal has two periods, one now. So it's open for 45 days and then one at the end of spring ball. Oh, my god! And so and so if you don't go now, the next time you can go is like April, right? Late April, May. Right, so you pretty much after after second semester for these kids, and they don't want to be there for an extra semester. And then there's also there's also the um, the issue of getting enrolled in the other school, right? And so the earlier you do it, the better, or the more chance you have to get in. It's like, well, if these guys waited until after the bowl game, they have like a ten day. A lot of them have a ten day period to figure it out, right? And so you're telling them to find a team in ten days while also getting enrolled into that school that they just figured out like five days ago that they wanted to go to. Yeah, and that's where the problem comes in. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's brutal with the transfer portal, but I will say these, you know, if, if we get Cam Ward, Jake Hainer, it will be, I'll, I'll absolutely watch and, and be very excited about it. Uh, hopefully Fresno wins. I won't watch because it's the Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're protesting. I'm just kidding. I, I, that, that's actually a fun matchup. Um, I'm excited for it. Next game, Wake Forest favored by one against Missouri, the Gasparilla Bowl. It really is just a power five matchup. I, I, I would assume Sam Hartman plays, um, although he's, He's probably going to the draft this year. I, I don't know yeah. if he's going to save himself for that. Uh, Missouri's had a bunch of transfers. Missouri's one of those teams that can get good guys, um, but once they show up, they leave. And right. so it's like, who does Missouri really have? Your guess is as good as mine. They were kind of they were kind of shysty in a couple games this year. Um, the Georgia game, uh, they played really well, but it's the Gasparilla Bowl. It's Wake Forest, like. And nothing. Right. Nothing's really changing with these two teams. Other it's than always the three and six SEC team. Missouri, <laughs> Missouri's losing their um, their best wide receiver. Uh, what's his name? Something love it. Um, he's he's transferring, so he he won't be playing. But their freshman recruit that just came in this year. Oh, what's his name? Oh, he he played okay this year. Um, he'll be playing in that. He'll probably be their number one guy. But it, it's just one of those weird games. Um, it will be interesting to see a uh, Wake Forest offense. I guess that was kind of my only takeaway from this game. Like, eh, Wake Forest was shysty at some point this year. They were at some point they were a solid team. I remember. Yep. Um, that's oftentimes what these bowl matchups become. It's not a matter of good versus good. It's like, well, that team used to be good. That team used to be a storyline. <laughs> uh, and that's what this game kind of is. I have no idea who wins. Oftentimes, when you're picking bowl games, it comes down to a matter of what conference do you believe in, mm-hmm. because. You know, you look back at last year, I, I think the Big Ten was like, what, like 9-3 and three or something yeah. crazy or like, you they know, 8-2. Really like, they were just like really good, and it's like, that's kind of what it is. You know, the conferences that were low on ended up, you know, kind of being a lot better than expected. The conferences were high on, kind of be worse. So, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Missouri pulls out the win there, but we'll yep. see. Um, the Wisconsin-Oklahoma State game we were talking about in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Wisconsin's three-point favorites. They don't have Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz. Braylon Allen's probably still not going to play, although he's staying in Wisconsin. That's a big keep for them. There were rumors that he would be transferring to Michigan. I was like, there's no way that happens. And then someone said that that it, it the likelihood that it was going to happen, was actually there was actually a pretty good chance, and that everybody talking about it 
ruined it. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. Is it Kentucky, but, right? Uh, what? Graham Mertz is in Kentucky. Yeah, Graham Mertz transferred to Kentucky. He announced that today, I believe. Yep. Um, Oklahoma State loses Spencer Sanders to the transfer portal. I believe he's playing in his sixth, he's going to be playing in his sixth season next year. Um, I'm interested to see where he goes. Just but hasn't ever been quite good enough to, to be that. And NFL that's the thing guy. is that Spencer Sanders at the beginning of the season looked like he was taking that next step, and then once they got to Big Twelve play, it was like eh. there was there was some games where he looked really good, and then the tail end of the season it was like and, and a lot of the injuries happened in Oklahoma State. They just didn't look like the same team. They just kind of played okay and. and I do think whoever gets him is getting a really damn good player. Yeah. Um, as it pertains to this game, Luke Fickle's not going to coach. It'll be it'll be Jim Leonard coaching this game. Very weird because he's gone after the end of the season. Yeah. Um, they already so they they go from firing Paul Crist right. Jim Leonard is the uh, DC is the DC. He gets elevated to interim head coach for the rest of the season. He, there was he, we talked about this at the end of the season. He didn't do enough to earn the job. Right. And, Six and, and five. And so. No, that's not right. But I like think five, it was four. like I think it was like yeah, just one game over, and so it was like okay, uh, we can understand why they're going for Luke Fickle. Obviously, you're not going to be able to keep Jim Leonard. I mean, right. he fully expected to be retained for that head coaching job, even though he might not have deserved it. But he he is Wisconsin through and through. Right. He's lived in Madison for what the last twenty years probably, mm-hmm. um, and so it's it's a, it's a slap in the face to him, and he's gonna he's gonna go somewhere where he feels wanted and respected. Um, where that is. I don't know, but I, I do think it's a head coaching spot. And I think mm-hmm. Purdue could be an interesting uh, fit for him. Um, and as for Oklahoma State, they still have Mike Gundy. They'll always have Mike Gundy. I don't think he's ever going to leave. Uh, him and Kyle Whittingham are kind of in the same boat where they're like they're in mid-tier programs. They elevate them. And so we think that they're better and have more resources than they actually do. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, they'll fall back down. And it's like, okay, well, Oklahoma State just isn't that good. Yeah. Well, they aren't this year. Give them some time. In in two years, they'll probably be right back to where they were last year. Uh, it just sucks they weren't able to capitalize on their good season last year. Exactly. Um, they always land on their feet. And, and so this is one of those weird games where it's like two mediocre teams from the Big 12 and the Big 10 face off against each other. And we'll see who each team has for next year. Yep. Uh, it, it will be interesting. I mean, yeah, it's so tough because it's like you know it's bad when Wisconsin fired their coach for making the bowl game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and th- that's what happened here. Um, or didn't keep their coach for, for making the bowl game. That wasn't good enough, was making the guaranteed rate well, bowl. And, and I think there is an element with the expanded playoff that Wisconsin was like, with with you know the coming expansion of the playoff, Wisconsin was like, we got we got to do something that's going to basically ensure that we're a fringe playoff team, if not in the playoff, you every, know, every year. year. Right. And... We saw, like, I went back and looked with Paul Christ. They would have been pretty close. Right. I think they would have made it four out of the eight seasons or three out of the eight seasons, which, you know, is that good enough? Is that not? It's up to discretion. I think it probably is at a place like Wisconsin, but they want to be better than that. Right. And and Luke Fickle was absolutely the guy to do it. Um, I think Jim Leonard is capable of being a really good coach. Uh, he's got the X's and O's part down. Does he have the rest of it? Is he is he a CEO type guy? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, mm-hmm. and he struggled with Wisconsin. That Wisconsin team wasn't great. Uh, they were without their best player the entire season, essentially, in Braylon Allen. So it is what it is. Um, Duke UCF. That is. Uh, this is one of those one of those games because I don't know if anybody's leaving. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. Duke went eight and four, right? Yeah, very uh, respectable. Season. Uh, they had a really good season, although you know it, through most of it, it was like, well, they're not very good because look at their schedule. Right. Like they might be eight and four, but we were like when we were when we were doing our resume rankings, it was like 
who have they played? Right. <laughs> and then and then UCF, we had ranked a couple times this season. Um, they're coming off of the American Championship loss to Tulane. Uh, they're playing in the military bowl, these two teams are. I, I, it's Gus Malzahn. I, I don't know what else to say. He's he stuck in, he stuck around at UCF. I don't really think anybody looked at him, which is kind of weird. Um, he's kind of he was kind of in the same spot as Luke Fickle. The only difference is that Gus Malzahn had success at a Power Five level, um, but both of them at the Group of Five. Their teams are going to the Big Twelve, and they're both in the American. One leaves to go to the Big Ten, and the other one is seemingly going to stick it out in, in that transition to the Big Twelve for UCF. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. I actually wouldn't be surprised if Duke wins this game. Um, I think from Duke's perspective, this has been a great season. And then from, uh, from, uh, UCF's perspective, um, I think it's more a matter of, I think, I think, uh, Duke's coach, Mike Elko got nominated for our coach of the year. Yeah. He did. Um, I think from UCF's perspective, it's kind of just like a meh year. I mean, yeah. they, they, this is kind of what they do. They get to the AAC championship almost every year. They just want to win it. And yep. that, that was the only only fault there. And uh, so they're, they're a really talented team, a really good team. But I actually wouldn't be surprised if Duke wins this game. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. I, I didn't want, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't watch a ton of Duke football this year. I did watch a couple of UCF games. I, I watched both Tulane games. I watched the um, UCF-Cincinnati game. Uh, I think there was one more in there when in their nine conference, but I don't remember. It was early in the season. Uh, I watched a bit of the Louisville game. That's right. That's right. The UCF Louisville game. Um, I think it was a Friday night game, so I wasn't mm-hmm. able to. Uh, I I I don't know. I watched. I think I watched like part of the Northwestern game. Yeah, like, I mean, like, or no, Duke Kansas was was one that I I did watch because I remember people were like, oh, game day, go 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 go. Oh, and yeah. I was like, okay, let's watch. Let's see. Let's see how good it was. Everybody. Oh my god. We'll get into do, it. Do right you remember next. that? Yeah. Uh, Kansas, Arkansas. This is the battle for um, Kansas, I guess. I don't know. Both of them have Kansas in their name. If Arkansas loses, they have to change the last part of their name. Right. They got to become R something else. And I've if heard Kansas, Texas is what they're going to go to. Okay. And if Kansas loses, they can't use Kansas anymore. They got to find something else. Right. So they're playing in the Liberty Bowl. Um, it's the battle for the Kansas. Right. It is what it is. And Arkansas is favored by three. So if you're going to go with Vegas, that means that Kansas is going to have to find a new a new state name. This is another interesting one. It feels kind of, you know, Duke-UCF, it was like, uh, you know, Arkansas should probably win this game by two scores, if not more, talent-wise. Um, but Kansas, this is such a huge moment for them making a bowl game. I think sometimes... We overestimate the difficulty it takes to get to six and six. Yep. I mean, oh, absolutely. I, yes. I, I saw Danny Hope, you know, string together a couple of six and six teams at Purdue uh, after being absolutely terrible. I like that's what you learn from thinking about these bowl games, talking about these bowl games. It's like we do overestimate the yep. difficulty. It of really going isn't that six hard, and six. guys. We're talking about the, I think eighty-two teams. There's eighty-two spots for bowl games, right? Like there are one hundred and thirty-one teams, and and. There are a hundred like there the last year there were eighty two bowl or eighty two bowl or eighty two spots. God damn it. There were eighty two spots because there were eighty two bowl eligible teams. Like they filled every single spot. That means eighty two teams got to six wins. It's really not that hard. It really isn't. <laughs> and like I don't know. I, I just think everyone would kinda Still is like, well, Kansas went six and six. They this, finished they finished one and six. This I, was a better year for them than, than anybody absolutely. expected. Absolutely. <laughs> but having that five and zero start I, I can't help but feel like there's. I mean, I would be a little bit disappointed. Obviously, no, going into the season, I you know, be. they would never be like, "Oh my gosh!" Because but, you said that you that you 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 said right. they're five and zero. Oh. 
They're probably going to finish six and six. Right, that's what I said. <laughs> but I, you know, a lot of Kansas people were like, "Oh, they'll be, you know, you know, a seven I said and seven five, and five, eight, four. I said seven and five. I said and, they were going to win two of their last five games, six games, whatever it was. Right, and and you know, finishing that one in one in six was it? Yeah, one in six stretch. It's just like, I don't know. I mean, you know, good year, all in all, great year actually for Kansas football. But at the end of the day. If they if they lose this game here, finish go out one and seven. It'll be like so for what though? You know what I mean? So I don't know. I, it's a it's a stepping stone year. It's a okay. It's a stepping stone year for Lance Leipold and and Kansas. I mean, you talk about some of the players that they had, Jalen Daniels and and Jamal Bean. Like I, I don't know. It feels like that's it was good to get their name out on the national stage for the first you know, five weeks. It was like. Kansas is five and zero. College game is going to Lawrence. It was like that. I mean, yeah. you, you talk about you talk about what that can do for recruiting. It might not do a ton, but it, it step up. It's a step up from where they were in Arkansas. I mean, I expected them to be nine and three, eight and four with right. KJ Jefferson returning, Raheem Sanders. They go six and six. They, I mean, there were plenty of games too that it was like you just win that game. Or I mean, the LSU game comes to mind immediately. You win that game, you're talking about seven and five, and it's like. And we beat LSU. I guess LSU wouldn't be a very good win at that point. Yeah. Um, but, but like it was those games like that, and they had guys like Trey Sanders on the defensive end, like Bumper Pool. They had they had the names, they had the talent, and for whatever reason, Sam Pittman could not figure it out to save his life. Without mm-hmm. without Traylon Burks, their offense could not move the ball. I don't know what it was, but it was disappointment after disappointment. They started the season off pretty good, beat Cincinnati. Um, I think beat BYU too, and, and, and then once they got to SEC play, they were just outmatched and outgunned every single step of the way. Right, uh, two three win SEC or uh, three win in their conference teams, yep. and I think really that would benefit Kansas. Um, it, it goes to show you kind of how fraudulent even of a six and six team they were because you know they started out like I said five and zero, but it was also a matter of the games that they did one when it felt so huge in the moment. But then when you took a step back at the end of the year, it was like, Oh my God, they beat Iowa state by three. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh my God. I remember watching that game and I was like, Hey, well, okay. They beat Iowa state by three. Yes. But the only game that Iowa state didn't lose by more than a touchdown was the TCU game. That's true. But that game was so poorly played. It was yeah, missed it was field it goals. They probably shouldn't have won that fumbles. game. It was just like, this is Iowa state. Here. Iowa state's offense this year was in the bottom percentile. Like they were, they were like I would love them bad, and I think having said all of that, I think if anything, it helps Kansas because it feels like this is still such a huge game playing even in the yeah. Liberty Bowl it's and like playing this a team is a huge like opportunity. Arkansas, right? So we'll see how it goes for him, but uh, I would I would give the edge to Kansas. Wow. Okay. Um, I don't know how I feel about that game right now. Come back to me when that line moves to Kansas minus three. Or it's minus two. Um, Oregon, somehow minus 13. And I think this was before the Drake May news uh, against Drake May and the North Carolina Tar Heels in the Holiday Bowl. Um, Drake May's coming back. He's going to be a Tar Heel. Uh, They still have uh, Josh down. So this North Carolina team probably couldn't be playing any worse than they have the past three weeks. Uh, Three straight losses, Georgia Tech, Clemson, and missing someone. (sighs) I don't know. NC State. Yes, NC State in the last week, yeah, and and uh, a week thirteen, and so they've they've got lost three straight games. One of those was Georgia Tech. Um, they're getting Drake May back, so I guess that's good. But like their schedule wasn't tough, right? After the Notre Dame game, we knew this team wasn't very good. You had to kind of be like, 
Well, they're nine and one. They're eight and one. Like, what do we do with them? They've won their games, and some of them weren't pretty, but they did. Um, App State game, like they beat a six and six App State team because Chase Bryce barely overthrew his guy. Like, I I mean, we're talking about a sixty three sixty one game. Their defense was a problem the entire season, Um, and then you go to Oregon. It's like this is a disappointing season. Not based off of preseason expectations, but because of where you were. Uh, headed into that Washington game, you controlled your own destiny. After that Washington game, and then you lose. You also, uh, did they beat Utah this year? Yes, I think. And then you lose to your in-state rival in uh, Oregon State. Yep, that's right. It's like you had every opportunity to be playing in the Pac-12 championship game. Instead, you get blown out by Washington at home, and then you go to Corvallis. You have that game in your hand. They didn't get blown out to, by Washington. Um you go to Corvallis, you have that game in hand, and then the fourth quarter, you completely, un- and it was like with five minutes left, they completely unravel, and Oregon State's able to take out take that to win. It's like, it, you're one of Dan Lanning. It should be viewed as a, as, a, as a success, but the playoff Pac-12 championship, we're all in sight. He just choked. So yep. it's tough. Um, I believe Bo Nix is going to stay. Uh, I, I think the only guy that I've seen trans... Oh, there's two guys. Tyquan Thornton. Not Tyquan Thornton. I, I don't know his name. Oh, he's a wide receiver there. It's it's something like that. Uh, I'll have to look it up while you're talking. And then Justin Flo's transferring too. I've seen rumors that he's going to Ohio State. Ooh. So that could be interesting. Um, I uh, Yeah, pretty much everything you said. North Carolina's just uh, just played awful football to end the season there, um, which was really sad because like people were talking about them as playoff. People were talking about Drake Mays Heisman, so you know a lot of that stuff. And it was just last three weeks. Dante um, Thornton, that's what it is. Got part it. Part of it is it's a young team. It, it's like I don't know if they could really handle that sort of pressure at the end of the season. Not just ACC, you know, championship expectations. It's yep. potential playoff sort of thing, and that kind of got to them. And maybe it didn't. Maybe it didn't. But I mean that sort of stage might have been too big, and uh, it might have hurt them down the stretch, and they lost three or three three straight games, I believe. So uh, that was how their season ended. Um, meanwhile, Oregon is a legitimate 9-3 and three team. Yep. And, you know, they could win this game by about three or four scores, and I think they probably will. Not only are they more talented, not only are they playing better, but I think, not that Mac Brown's a bad coach, but I think Dan Lenning, you know, coming from Kirby Smart in Georgia, it feels like it's all business. He'll have his yep. team and guys very ready to go in the Holiday Bowl. Don't know what the line will be. These games are so hard to pick, but I would assume Oregon uh, would probably trash North Carolina. I, I think that's a pretty good bet. Texas Tech, Ole Miss, Ole Miss three and a half point favorites in the Texas Bowl. Lane Kiffin stays. That was a that was a pretty big storyline headed into the last week of the season. Um, into rivalry week. It, it, rumors were swirling that Lane Kiffin was taking the Auburn job. We actually had a report that he was and that all that needed to be finalized was the contract or was I mean was the was the signatures and it would have been a done deal. And then Ole Miss loses to Mississippi State on Thanksgiving uh, night to uh, in the Egg Bowl and it, it kind of feels like a another disappointing Ole Miss season, and it's. It, you, you, I don't know how much they were expecting in the preseason. I mean, Jackson Dart's your quarterback. I don't. Based off of what you know, Matt Corral was able to do at Ole Miss and the system they ran, it was like, well, I don't really know if uh, if Jackson Dart's the guy. But you brought in a guy like Zach Evans in the transfer portal from TCU, who was a sophomore that that exploded onto the scene. Well, he didn't really explode on the scene because people knew he was a legitimate talent, but he was a fantastic as a freshman at TCU. Imagine if he stayed at TCU, huh? Ooh, no. Can you believe that? Uh, with Sonny Dykes uh, 
coming in and uh, what's his name? Oh no! From who? The, the old TCU coach, Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson. There it is. Uh, Gary Patterson getting fired. I think that was what did it for him. And then you also bring in Quinshawn Judkins, and you have one of the best uh, rushing attacks in the country to the, one of the best running back rooms as well. It's like okay, this team kind of feels like they're legit. And then the the back half of the season was like. They just can't beat good teams. And, right. and that that's always been the problem with Ole Miss is that they're great against poor teams. But when it comes to teams that are just more well-coached, they can never figure it out. That was one of those teams. Texas Tech, on the other hand. More well-coached and better, too. I'm a big lane guy. so I, I mean, know you are. I know. I mean, I, I feel like a lot of the teams they play, especially this year, coming into the season, they weren't ranked. Keep that in mind. It's true. You know, it, the expectations weren't 10-2. They it was finished 8-4? Right. The, the expectations were at the beginning of the season, I think, about that range. The only difficult thing was, well, they started off the season so well. Exactly. You know, they were undefeated through six games, but not really their fault. They played an easy schedule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was difficult for them. But like you said, it's, it's challenging that they couldn't win that big game. I think that Alabama game really was the one that... Lane clearly emptied out the playbook for, and uh, you know after that game they co- totally lost momentum yep. and lost control of the season. But LSU game they played very well in the first half, and A and M game I thought they played well, and then that Alabama game they had to win it and they just didn't. So that's the type of coach Lane is. He's a gambler. Uh, he puts it all in for those last few games of the season and it came back to bite him, in, bite him in the butt. It is amazing how well Texas Tech played to end the season. Yep. I, Joe McGuire's first year has been fantastic for him. Right. I, I, I thought that, you know, kind of the end of the season or, you know, the middle of the season or beginning and middle of the season went so poorly. I was yep. just always stuck in my head like, oh, this is a terrible team. This is kind of like yeah, a exactly. bottom dweller of the And they finished 7-5. The and five. It's like, wait, and what? They're like, it's like, hold on, <laughs> wait a minute. They're fourth in the Big 12 standings? Yep. Are you kidding me? I saw that and I was like, holy cow, they came out of nowhere. I think they won their last three games. They did, and they had a 10-point loss to TCU. To get to 7-5. So, so they, they, got, they got absolutely trounced by Baylor, and they win three of their next four games, and the loss was at a uh, 10-point loss to a team playing in the playoff. Right. Unbelievable. The, uh, Joey McGuire, I mean, because I remember last year, Baylor was playing in the, um, was it Cotton Bowl or was it the Sugar Bowl? Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl against Ole Miss, right? Yep. Um, and, and there was talk of, of you know, Joey McGuire being the next head coach, and, and he gets hired. He doesn't coach that game. It was like, oh, well, well, no, that's right. They hired him before I think they even fired the other mm-hmm. guy. It was like a weird situation like that. Oh, it was yeah. it was at it was the middle of the season. I think they hired him. Wow. I think if I remember correctly, because uh, this was this was kind of insane. If I remember correctly, Joey McGuire got hired like three games to go wow. in, in in the season last year. It was really weird, and it seems to have turned out okay for them. I mean, you're talking about a Texas Tech team. Like Texas Tech has been good for like maybe two seasons in yeah, in, in this century. It's been. It seems to have worked out. They're seven and five, and I. I don't even know like very many players on the team. I don't. I think. I don't think I know any player on that team yeah. that's been like a huge national. player. I know they're shysty. Oh, they're quarterback. I, I. I remember them. I remember the Texas game. They played really well in that Texas game. But uh, yeah, big win over Texas too this year. That was huge. Yep. Um. Next game, Mississippi State, Illinois. Illinois two point favorites. Rely a Quest Bowl. Uh, there's really not much to be said about this game. I hate Brett Bielema. Um I love Mike Leach, although he just had a kid transfer out because oh. uh, because him and his, the relationship wasn't great, and the kid had choice words. He basically burned I think a bridge. The kid's soft. Uh, the, 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 the kid, kid, the, kid soft. Burned, the kid burned a bridge on his way out. Um, but I do think that Mike Leach definitely 
doesn't work in the new era of college football. Eh, well, who cares? I mean, for some guys, I think you can make the argument, you know, Jim Harbaugh might not be a good fit in the new era of college football. He gets his guys. He makes yeah, it but, work. But you just compared Jim Harbaugh to Mike Leach. Fine. I love uh, Jim Harbaugh. I love Mike Leach. No, but yeah, yeah, but they're they're on two completely levels coaching-wise. What do you mean? Jim Harbaugh is right. a much better coach than right. Mike Leach. Totally is. agree. And so, and so, I don't know if Mike Leach can afford to be like that because of a where he's at in Mississippi State and b the kind of coach he is. I think if you recruit, recruit the guys well enough, all he apparently said was he wasn't tough enough. That's all the time. Well, he also said coaches. that he was happy that the kid was leaving. I think I think that was probably that kid just being like, you think he so? Seems happy that I'm leaving more than if he's like. All right, you know, I want you to leave. Like, that would be kind of, like, a little bit too far. But, I mean, if, you know, that kid's just like, oh, he's glad to see me go, I just thought it was being petty. I think <laughs> the the not being tough enough thing, you hear that with coaches all the time. I think, you know, from Mike Leach's perspective, he's got more than enough success to shoo that kid aside and be like, fine, you don't want to play yeah. for me? Whatever. Hey, how about this? November 8th, 2021, Maguire was announced as the head coach. I, re- I, I I thought I remembered something weird like that happening. <laughs> um, you know, in the end, how about this? Mississippi State's playing in a bigger bowl game than Ole Miss. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Brett Pulem was fat. That's true. I, I really just, he's he is so such amazing. a whiny baby. Right. I just can't stand him. I just really can't. I mean, he still can't let go of that Michigan game. I know. Just cannot. Uh, it, uh God. Outback Bowl, pretty much. It's pretty much a new age Outback Bowl, the West Bowl, which is kind of cool. And you I know what? Know. I, it I, is a huge step for the Illinois program. I hate it is. No, it is. Just as I feel much like as I guy. feel like that it just doesn't carry the same weight now that it's called Reliquest. I know. Though. I wish it was still the Outback Bowl. But it is a big bowl game, and you know it's great for Illinois to play in it. They're playing a ranked team in Mississippi State. Uh, should be January 2nd, so right around that New yeah. Year's Day sort of thing. So it's, it's a huge deal for Illinois. It's the biggest you know bowl game they played in in, in years. So uh, very interesting game. I think Illinois is a legit team, and they could probably they could win this game, but it's two really good teams. I, that is one of the games I'm actually uh, fairly excited for. I think Illinois wins that game by 40. <laughs> uh, do we know about Will Rogers if, if he'll play? Because if so, that, that game, I hope is, really How old is he? Uh, what year is he? Grad senior, maybe or senior? Because the only thing, the only way he doesn't play in that, I think, is if um, he goes to the draft. I don't, I don't know if he would transfer. Um, okay, probably the worst bowl game you will ever watch that has you know the two power five teams, Iowa, Kentucky, Music City Bowl. Um, I, I so Spencer Petras got hurt in the in the Nebraska game, and so Alex Padilla had to come in. Yep. Alex Padilla is not the quarterback at mm-hmm. Iowa anymore. Um, the Transferred. new the new quarterback for next year will likely be Cade McNamara. He's the most talented quarterback they've had in a while. Um, Nate Stanley, that would be the last one. He was an NFL guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is. That was like five years ago, though. Nate Stanley is not that great. Um, it's uh, this is a disgusting game. Like both is. of the like Will Levis isn't going to play for Kentucky, yeah. and Kentucky hasn't been playing well. Iowa's right. offense is disgusting. Is uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think in this game. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I do know. The over under for this game. Do you want to you want to guess what it is? I was going to say take the under, but twenty eight. No, not quite that low. It was thirty one and a half. Oh my god. <laughs> So they're predicting, folks, this game is going to be 17-14, straight up. Not an Army-Navy game. This is going to be a Big Ten and SEC team playing in a 17-14 game. Correct. I still think it could be the under, folks. And it's the Music City Bowl. And it's the Music City Bowl. Um, Guys, uh, folks, i got to say folks. I can't say guys. That's on me. Hand up. Hand up. Folks. Guys and girls. The the Music City Bowl last year was 
one of the most exciting games of the bowl season. It was Purdue, Tennessee that came down to the goal line stop. I mean, that was that was one of the most fun games of the bowl season last year. And now we get Iowa, Kentucky. Snooze fest. Get me out of that one. And I'm going to watch it because I'm a, I'm a sadistic person. But. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll watch it. Sure. <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's right around New Year's Day. Big Ten SEC, part of that whole challenge, which is cool about the auto bids. But I'll say this as well. Another thing I don't like about auto bids, we had this game last year in the Citrus Bowl. Oh, Iowa, that's Kentucky right. We did. <laughs> it's like, what the heck, man? You, you shouldn't have that's that. Like, that's like Michigan, Florida for like three out of four years. It was right. Like, <laughs> it's just so stupid. Why? So, so that, that, that I don't like. I, I want to see different, different teams there. But at the end of the day, um, it is still Big Ten SEC. So yeah, also, these we'll are two in. teams that will probably have the same coach for the next 75 years. Um, Kirk Ferentz is never leaving True. Iowa. Mark Stoops is never leaving Kentucky. So yeah. <laughs> nice True. game. Pitt UCLA uh, in the Sun Bowl. UCLA six and a half points. Uh, there's really not much to say about this. Uh, Phil Dracovic is going to be the new quarterback of Pitt. Uh, Keaton Slovis is out. Uh, Pitt Keaton Slovis is not a good quarterback and. If he gets a if he gets a job anywhere that is not a group of five team, I will look at that power five team and say you are stupid, you are stupid, you are stupid. Um, UCLA Chip Kelly was was really good this year. Uh, he had those boys playing really well. DTR had a good year. Zach Charbonnet had a good year. They were just a really good team overall. Are they going to lose anything UCLA wise? I don't know what the, I, I haven't seen anything portal wise. Um, normally I, I see the big names for the portal, not really any of the of the minor stuff outside of Michigan, and I, I haven't seen a ton of of news on them uh, bringing in guys or losing guys. Uh, I, I don't know if DTR is eligible for the... I think he is eligible for the draft. He's probably not going to go. I would yeah. imagine he stays another year. Same with Zach Charbonnet. I think they're probably returning most of their guys. It's cool. So, you know, th- that game I actually am a bit excited for. Pitt really turning on later in they the season. They don't have a quarterback. To go to 8-4. and four. Yeah, okay, fine. They'll probably put in some walk-on, and that's fine, but... You know, I mean, who was their quarterback to begin with? This year? Yeah. Just, who Slovis. Was Slovis started this year? Yes. Wow. And there you go. He played I mean, He played in the backyard, bro. Wow. It was Keaton Slovis versus GT Deal. Oh, yes, yes, Two yes, players yes, who yes, are no longer right. on their teams. That's right. The good news is this, though, folks. What are we doing? The good news is this. Slovis wasn't very good in the first place. So, <laughs> I mean. Him and JT Deal. Team to team. Well, he only went from USC to yeah, uh, Pitt, yeah. but. JT Daniels is on his fourth team. This shouldn't be legal. Seriously. It, it, and it's sad with Slovis, too. I mean, he was, I think, Pac-12 freshman of the year or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you, you look up the numbers he put up his freshman year at USC. And even in his sophomore year, he was unbelievable. We're talking, people thought after this season, he would be like a can't-miss NFL prospect, like top five overall pick sort of thing. <laughs> and it just didn't work out. It's sad to say, but I mean... I, it, it's, I have a question for you. Should how many transfers do you think a player should have? Like how many different teams do you think he should be able to play for? Ideally, probably one, right? Well, yeah, but like, so like one time a, a one time transfer, one time free transfer, and okay. then probably the because because my issue is is JT Daniels is obviously the problem at this point. Like he's been to four different teams and hasn't been able to figure it out. Yeah, or he will be on four different teams and hasn't been able to figure it out. When are we just going to realize that, that JT Daniels is the problem? I, I think everybody agrees that he's the problem. I just think that he thinks he isn't. Right? <laughs> when is JT Daniels going to realize it doesn't matter what school you go to? <laughs> you're a bum. You're buns. But, um, yeah, that definitely is part of it. And uh, it's frustrating, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, for JT, he's trying to figure it out, trying to make it work. It's this guy. It's that guy. you got to point the finger at yourself, buddy. Yeah. Um, it's sad. 
Syracuse, Minnesota. This is an interesting game. Um, Sean Tucker versus Mo Ibrahim in terms of running back uh, play. Uh, Tommy DeVito, uh, or not Tommy DeVito, um, Garrett Schrader yep. uh, versus Tanner Morgan. I don't know. This is kind of just feels like a mid-off. Yeah, seriously, kind of like inverted teams. Like Minnesota was so mid at the beginning of the yeah. season. Well, they actually started. Well, out they started hot. out really good. I had them, then, I had them up to ten right. in my rankings. Do you remember that? Uh, <laughs> you swore by it too. You were like, "Oh my I was like, god, guys!" Minnesota's a team. Because we all year. missed on Michigan State. Yes, that was big time, it. big time. So they start out four and zero, and then we're like god awful yeah, for like bad. three it was, weeks. It was after they lost to you guys, right? They just could not figure it out, and uh, and then at the end of the season, they actually started to figure it out again to get to what eight and four. Eight and four, yeah. Beat Wisconsin, won the won the axe. Even the last year, all they had to do, I think, was win that game and get oh. to the Big Ten championship. Instead, yep, you're exactly it ended right. Sour, so kind of funny there. But Syracuse, meanwhile, was the exact opposite. Started out white hot. Yeah. yeah, I thought that they were watching the Clemson game. I was like, all right, this team is real. No, nope. they just weren't. Nope. Um, it that was, was their Super Bowl. So funny because you were super high on them after game one. I was super low, and yep. then it was like we kind of flipped, yep. and now we're both like, no, they're just mad. Yeah, they're just a bad team. <laughs> I mean, well, you get an interesting coaching matchup in Dino Babers and P.J. Flack. Right. I, I think it will be kind of cool. Like, I don't know. I mean, Ibrahim, like you said, this Minnesota team has talent. It's just yeah. a matter of, like, it's just, they also They also got hurt. To, like, this Minnesota team is probably going to look relatively the same. I think Tanner Morgan has to leave now. Mm. I don't think he can come back. I think he's, he's Please. Uh, he needs to go. Um, but Mo, I think Mo's coming back. I, I think. I think. I know Chris Chris Altman Bell is coming back, which is going to be huge for them next year. But they're back of quarterback. Oh, no, that's right. Morgan's hurt. Mm. It's, um. oh, what's his name? You you talk. I'm going to try to figure out this kid's name. I, 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 I remember. Uh, but, it was like shoot. Eric something, right? Yeah. Um. I'll, I'll say this though, uh, you know, sometimes with bowl games, the matchup and the- oh, it was Athen, Athen Cali Kamanis. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think sometimes with bowl matchups, the two teams play, and it's the right combination of teams, and it's almost like the two teams seems seem better for playing each other. It's like, whoa, that's such a cool matchup. Like Clemson Tennessee is a little bit of that this year. It's like that feels like a huge game, and those teams feel really cool. Joe Milton versus Kate Klubnik. Right. <laughs> and then in some games, it's like the bull matchup happens, and the two teams seem so much worse. And it, that's yeah, kind of what, what Syracuse-Minnesota yeah. feels like to it's me. It's like if I told you at the beginning of the season, like one of our bowl matchups was Syracuse-Minnesota, you'd be like, okay. Uh, uh, and <laughs> yeah. Oklahoma, Florida State, seven and f- or seven and a half points. Uh, uh, or the f- or let me State let me favorite. let me restart that. Oklahoma versus Florida State. Florida State favored by seven and a half in the Cheez It Bowl. These are these are two teams that had the exact opposite season. Yep. Uh, people expected Oklahoma to really not skip that much of a beat. Uh, adding Brent Venables, bringing in Dylan Gabriel. It was like we can still be good. Still having Marvin Mims. It was like we can still be a really good team. They go six and six this year. Um, lose a bunch of games that they probably should have won. They do beat Oklahoma State, so there's that. They got housed by Texas, so they went one-on-one against rivals. It is what it is. Meanwhile, Florida State was like, people were like, eh, Florida State will probably finish with six, seven wins. It's kind of what Mike Norvell has been. They go nine and three, and at the end of the season are probably, at least at least in week 13, are probably the best ACC team. Um, after after Clemson made the switch to Klubnik, I don't know if that, that that would be the case if they played today, um, but they had already played. I, I just think Florida State, trajectory-wise, is going in the right direction. Jordan Travis oh, yeah. played really well this year. Um, I would expect Florida State to be you know a, a player next year in the ACC. 
I feel bad for Florida State. Again, this is kind of the issue with bowl Both matchups. It's like 9-3 and three season, and so what? Now they're playing in the cheesy bowl against 6-6 six and six Oklahoma. 12-team playoff, they're probably... They're knocking on the they're, door. They're close, right. at least. Uh, I get a couple of suggestions. A, why can't we uh, swap Oklahoma out for Oregon State? This game would be yeah, awesome. Yeah, seriously. Wait, what? Because of tie-ins. Right. It's a stupid tie-ins. I thought Cheez-It Bowl had a Pac-12 tie-in. I don't, I don't know. Good God. Maybe it has to have a yes, big 12 please, team. Yes, please just last year. Uh, make it Florida, Oklahoma, two six and six bronze right. teams. Give me, give Florida me Florida State, State Oregon, Oregon State. State, or how about this one? This is going to sound a little bit pretentious. Give me Florida State in the Cotton Bowl. I would, I would so much rather have USC Florida State. I'll talk about this more in the New Year Six episode. But Why that do you hate Cotton Bowl. Oh, oh my God! I'm going to bang my head on a door or on a wall or Why whatever. Do hate, Why do you hate Tulane? They're so not recognizable whatsoever. I've watched like two Tulane games, and I, I just, they don't really have it. There's nothing that I can just like cling to. It's like, okay, well, they, they got this player, they got that. Not really. They got Willie Fritz, I guess. He's their coach, and that's fine, but it's Tulane. They're not recognizable at all. Apparently, they hey, had they, success they in the won, SEC they, they won an SEC championship. Ago. Yeah, three SEC championships, actually. And pretty impressive. They have more SEC championships than Texas Hey, yeah, you know when they did it? World War One and World War Two. Yeah, wait, does it count? Uh, no, actually, 49 was their most recent one. Oh, really? So it was post-World uh, War II. Well, they won three. So they won, like, a bunch in that era. 30s and 40s, I think. But um, Oh, it doesn't count. Uh, the ones, anything that happened during World War II doesn't count because Indiana was What about good. World War One? Well, was Indiana good? I thought Indy, like the part of that was like, well, Indiana only is good because of like natural yeah, but, or like huge. But I think that was before like college football was really big. Okay. Like 1914, 1918. It was only, it was only the Ivies and really like right. Michigan and the Ivies and Michigan. <laughs> it yeah. was really only those teams. And so once you got to World War II, it was like, okay, now all these other teams are starting yeah. to adopt it a little bit more and it was more widespread. And so when Indiana is good at football, either A, there's a crisis going on in the world or B, you're in a different dimension. You need to figure out where the hell you are. Right. Um, I think Florida State absolutely cruises. They have so much energy. Oh, absolutely. They're so much of a better team. And Oklahoma just blows. I do think Jared Verse is probably gone, though. Yep. He he probably won't play in this game. I think he'll be a top ten pick. He looks he every all everything I've heard about that kid. Yeah, he won't play for player. He probably won't play. That one will be interesting. Um, I'll say about Oklahoma every single time. They make you think, oh, this team is actually turning a corner. They end up being terrible. <laughs> no, it's, it's like so stupid. It's like, hey, they played really well in this game. Lose to Texas Tech. Well, okay. Eh. Texas eh. Tech ended up being better than we thought, I guess. I, I, don't, I, get, know. I don't know. They finished They finished better than Oklahoma did. Right. Um, Maryland, one-point favorites uh, against NC State in the May, in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl. Um, probably the most interesting, probably one of my favorite bowls, I should say. Yeah. Um, just because Dukes-Mayo is active on Twitter. Like, their, their account is active on Twitter, and they, they're... Pretty, pretty memeable, pretty funny. Um, plus, I, I don't know how I feel about this game. If Devin Leary was playing in this game, I think it would have been really fun. Um, but because he's not, because we could have had a really interesting matchup in Devin Leary and Talia Tagovailoa. Now it's just Talia and and whatever the hell Mike Loxley is going to do with all that talent. Probably shove it up his butt and be like, I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> I just hate Mike Loxley so much. Um, God, that was mean. That was so mean. He's just going to shove it up his fat butt. <laughs> Listen, he... You do it too right after you said it. <laughs> just a look on your face. It was like... <laughs> I I just... I don't understand how they're 7-5 and five with the talent that they have offensively. Seriously, it makes no sense. They're playing in the Big Ten East. Can I give you a little bit? All right, come okay. on, man. 
Let me let me take you through their schedule. It was Michigan. It was Ohio State. Okay, so they should Penn only State, have three losses on their schedule. Purdue. They should have won the Purdue game. I thought we all played them, but I mean, I, I didn't watch that game. All I know is that yeah. you guys won thirty-one twenty-nine. Yeah, they they. I think they scored. A, I think we were up two scores. Okay, maybe. then maybe know. okay eight and four. Eight and four. That's kind of okay. what I I had them going eight and four. I also thought Michigan State was going to be better, and right. so I thought that one of those wins was going to be against a good team. Turns yeah. out it just wasn't. Um, meanwhile, NC State loses Devin Leary. He was hurt for most of the se- most of the back he, half of the season. Would he played in this game? Probably not. Yeah. I think it was a pec injury. So, no. Um, It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Let me, let me see if there's any, any, rumors, any rumors on the Leary man. Because uh, Devin Leary injury update. There it is. No. It's just that he intends to go. Interesting. Um. Yeah. Uh oh. Yeah, we'll be coveted. Illinois either. football top five transfer quarterbacks for Illinois. Could Devin Leary go to the Fighting Illini? Uh, that's certainly what they're what they're hinting at there. I think DJU could be an interesting name for Illinois, but Illinois no. is one of those programs. If they get a quarterback, whoo doggie. I think I think DJU should go to Ohio State. Okay. I don't. Um, Wait, why? Cause oh, because you DJU. think he's because you think he's good. I don't. I think he's decent. We'll see. I, I do think it was a very disappointing year for NC State, though. I had very. them. I had them essentially being eleven and one, ten and two. Um, I think I had eleven and one with their only loss being to Clemson. I thought they were going to be a player in in the ACC, and they just weren't. Um, I think he finished eight and four. Right. Yep. It is what it is. As for Maryland, it's about where I had them. Uh, Dave Doran, maybe on the hot seat a little bit. Maybe a little bit. A little bit. Maybe just it's because it was kind of such a disappointing year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I understand that, but like the expectations were so high for right. for that team. Big game boomer had him making the playoff. Oh yeah, he's a huge NC State guy. I don't so, know if you've ever seen him taking pictures with all of his NC State buddies. He but, loves NC State. Yeah, don't know loves why. NC State because he's an Oklahoma grad. But hey, yeah, I got I got a few schools too. You know, well, so. I I'm a big believer that everybody should have at least one school in every conference, every powerful. That was conference. kind of my thing. You know what? I was a big believer in that. I feel like you know you're kind of ripping me off here. Well, That's kind of my idea. Wait, it's not your idea because I had that. I okay. literally had right. a team in every single. Now they weren't great teams, but I had a team. Okay, all right, that's fair. I feel like we did a whole a whole. I think I think we feel like we did a whole podcast of like going like through our teams yeah. in, in all of the that conferences. Was probably that preview. The preview. Uh, yeah, I think it was. I think we were like, okay, who's your team in there? Who's your team in there? It's like, oh, right. okay, yeah. Why why are you a fan of Boston College? I don't know. I just I, I, I just want them to be good. Um Yeah. So I don't know where my train of thought also, was going there. Folks, this is probably the last time we'll talk about these games, would be my guess. Yeah. yeah definitely. Um like like you said at the beginning of the of the episode or middle of the episode, I guess, uh, you know, the the bowl season is so frankly poverty. Uh yeah. you know, truth be told, right now it's just we're not going to give them the attention that we would a playoff, you know, sort yep. of game or even a New Year's Six game. So sorry, but basically, what it would, what it looks like is like the New Year's Six game gets those sort of games get the average attention of a regular college football game, and then the, these games get half, and then the you know uh, college football playoff will get double. So it'll be it'll be really cool how we're doing that. So I'm excited for that, um, and you know, just as a bit of a teaser. I think these CFP matchups are, you know, I feel like maybe I say this every year, but I think they're as good as we've seen in. I don't in years, and you don't think so? Georgia, Ohio State, isn't that? That's not one of the bigger. I'm gonna. I, I think I'm gonna spoil both my picks, but I'm taking the favorites. Okay, ATS. Wow. Hmm. That's fine, but I, 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 
I really am excited to see Georgia. Listen, Ohio I State. just think no? I just think it would be so much more cool Offense? if we could talk about you know a, 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 a what was it a Tennessee Penn State if we could talk about that kind of game. Oh yeah, and yeah. be like, well, if they win, then they get Georgia. And then I saw uh, big. I think it was big game boomer or college football nerd. It was college football nerd say it that according to ESPN's FBI, who loves Alabama more than anything in the world, their little child. Uh, I think Alabama's two in the in the FBI right now. Right. <laughs> He's like, well, if you look at it, the two, three, four teams would all be on the same side in terms of FBI, and uh, and Georgia and, the, and Georgia would have the easiest path. Like, I was like, what well, a numb nuts. Well, Who cares about ESPN FBI? FBI is wrong. Yeah, like what? Uh, uh, so I think I think would have been it would have been much cooler if we were able to give you like. You know, fill out our bracket a little bit. Oh yeah, I, you know, and, and I also do think there should be an element of reseeding in Maybe. the college football playoff. Yeah. I think you play the first round games, and then and then but then you can't do a bracket. That's true. Well, you no, you still can. We do it with the NFL. It's it's not as it's not as in, inclusive to everybody, but right because it, it takes because it's a little it's a little bit it's like I actually have to do mental work now. Right, right. Um, but like, I just feel like in terms of fair fairness. Uh, once you actually get into the playoff, and then like competitive games, um, I feel like if Michigan has to play Alabama, and then uh, you know Utah gets to play Tulane because Tulane, uh, who who would the five seed be? Ohio State, right? Yeah, Ohio State dies in a plane accident. <laughs> like, whoa! Oh, hey. um, it, dies in a fiery plane. He just has hate in his eyes. Uh, and Tulane gets and Tulane wins, and then it's like, well, Utah's not got the easier matchup in the second round. Then tough luck. I like it. Hey, Kansas State got to play UMBC in the second round of the NCAA tournament. You know what I thought? That awesome. is true. That, that is was true. awesome. Um, Did Kansas State win? I think yeah, so. It, it, I think it was a close game. Yeah. No, it was a close game. So give yeah, give, but give you, the retriever some the, credit. The thing there. is, is that is that the what is it the the four seed? Or it's, it's if one, you if you stay at twelve, you can absolutely reseed. I, I I think that's completely valid. Yeah, I think if you, I think if you did if you if you try to reseed a sixty four team tournament, that would be then, awful. Then you're getting nowhere to where you're going. I think I think you can reseed at twelve, but when, if you if you ever expand to like sixteen. 16 or yeah. or 24 or 32 yeah. then it's kind of I wouldn't cuz then you not. could actually have the bracket and the beauty of not reseeding in the bracket is it's like when everybody has kind of has the similar thing in in every region cuz it's like oh who do you have out of the east or like who do you have in like the sweet 16 then everybody can say well oh I had this 12 seed yeah. making it out it's not well oh well then the 12 seed would actually then play the one and then and the so one. then I would right. I would have I would have this team play and, and that team like, and then that team gets in so it's confusing. like yeah, it's like I I, I would have had them in the second round, but then they got reseeded, and then it's like so that's just awkward. And then that makes that whole NCAA tournament bracket filling out kind of almost like you said less inclusive. Um, and I'll say this about the college football playoff: like, frankly, it's a shit sandwich. Not gonna lie, uh, the four teams, it, it's not good. I think it's probably the worst possible number that you could come up with, and that's just bad luck. Yeah, yeah, by seriously, the CFP, seriously, it is. I, I think they were like, is. we need to expand. Okay, what number can we expand by? That makes it the least amount, but also, hey, there's a playoff now. Four, okay, perfect. It's like I was like I was joking around one day. I was like, you know what? Screw screw four, three team round robin. Oh, that'd be awful. <laughs> but um, as as bad as it is, I think this is one of the better years we're going to get. Maybe I'm biased because I'm you know I, I hate seeing the two SEC teams in there, but I'll say this, you know, Michigan's only made it twice. TCU's made it once now yep. the argument that the same teams make it every year it's kind of in the toilet it really is it's like georgia 
you know, no. they, they've made it routinely, but I'll say this, there is no Clemson, there is no Alabama, they, no, no Notre Dame almost always makes yep. it, so folks can say whatever they want. Like, you can't tell me, oh, I want variety, I want variety. Okay, we have some semblance of it, you know, these past couple of years. Be happy. We had Michigan and Cincy last year. We have TCU this year. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this, so, I don't know, Pate said this, he brought up a good point, we haven't had a duplicate field yet mm, in yeah, the playoff. Right. And it so, and so for the people that saying, you know, it's, it's always the same four teams. No, it's not. Um, it actually has never been, but I do understand the thought process of what well, was Alabama Clemson for four straight years. Right. Like you pencil those teams in and yeah, it, that happens. It, it, it does with every sport, but now with 12, it's like you're getting new teams every single year. You're getting at least two. And and obviously, so I went back and, and, and charted this out since 2014 in the original playoff. And obviously, the first couple of seasons, you're just going to have more and more teams. You're going to have more new teams make it because there are more possibilities. But even after the third season of it, you were still getting three, 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 even right. four or five one year. Then you got two again, then two more. And so, especially with the group of five auto bid, it allows for more uh, for for more difference and, and and variety in in some of those teams you see. So, yeah. in conclusion, I'm excited for this year's playoff. Very excited and excited to get into it. So, um, yeah, but you're gonna have to wait. You're gonna have to wait. And you're you're gonna weeks. have to wait. Uh, but I will also say I think some of the New Year's six matchups are kind of spicy. Kind of not very, but. Sugar Bowl, I'm excited for yeah. very. Uh, Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl, I'm excited for very. Even with Klubnik and uh, uh, Joe, Milton. Joe Milton, fine. We saw how many <laughs> points they scored against Vandy, 56. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm missing one that I was kind of excited for. Well, then oh, you're not Rose that excited. Bowl. Rose Bowl's nope, kind of decent. You're not that excited for it. And uh, Cotton Bowl would be so much better if it was USC Florida State. But uh, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll still watch it. It's on as the same time as the What if USC Bowl, loses to Tulane? Uh, they absolutely could. Uh, and what if they do? Will you will you come on here and say that? It's Tulane's nothing a- about Tulane not being good enough because they are good. <laughs> yeah, I, I know you're just a pretentious meanie. It's just like there's just I just don't really know much about their team. They learn, literally, learn about it. Zero brand learn, whatsoever. Learn. Hey, they have more SEC championships than USC. That's true. That is true. How many national championships do they have? <laughs> Three. Um and so yeah yes SEC fans no um <laughs> but for real though if it, this was USC Florida State or even USC UCF I would like this game so much more but it's not so you're unbelievable you are unbelievable. again it has nothing to do with like Tulane's he, fine he hates team. Tulane that's all you Tulane's need to know good team I, I think USC he probably wish, beats he wish he wish but he wishes Tulane would just submerge itself underwater. <laughs> That's what you wish. Uh, Thank you guys so much for watching. Hope you enjoyed. Catch you on the flip. See ya.